What is up, people? You are listening into New Generation Sports Talk. This is our NBA season preview. Happy NBA season, people. It feels like it's been forever since we've gotten some real hoops and we've been seeing these preseason games. But soon enough, we'll be seeing real NBA action, NBA regular season, just about a week away. We thought this would be the perfect time to start our conversation, our NBA coverage with our NBA season preview, which also means the return of one. Kendall Stewart. So Kendall Stewart, of course, he's been my partner on New Generation Sports Talk for, you know, how long we've been doing this podcast? What, five years at this point? Six years? Yeah. Been a long time. Uh, we've been doing this podcast for a minute, and Kendall's been uh, my pretty much my exclusive partner. And, man, I, I'm really proud of the work we've done and some of the stuff we've covered and interviews we've done. We've done some awesome stuff. And, obviously, you know, over the past month or so, which we kind of talked about a little bit in the summer, you know, Kendall hasn't been on this show. He's been on here, you know, on New Generation uh, Podcast Network. He's been on Imperial. He's been on Hero Talk. But because of some of the things happening in Kendall's professional life, we thought that it really wasn't appropriate per se for him to, you know, cover things such as football. We'll leave that there, whatever you guys want to think of. But that's what we're saying with that. So it kind of made it difficult for us to kind of have him on during the beginning of football season and with all the conversation being mostly on football. So that's why you saw Shamari or heard Shamari on this show. And Shamari, of course, the other uh, third uh, third dragon, this three-headed monster here at New Generation Media, he's been on Sports Talk. He's a huge football fan. He follows NFL very closely and college football very closely. So he's done a fantastic job uh, for the first four or five weeks of both the college football and NFL season. You'll keep hearing from him. This is not the last of him. He's not going away right now. But as we start the NBA season, You'll hear more and more of Kendall, you know, basketball being our bread and butter on this podcast. So it will be great to have Kendall back. Shamari will remain in the fold to talk football. So, Kendall, man, what's up? Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, welcome back to the NBA season. I mean, I, I mean I'm glad that basketball games are being played because the NBA, uh, obviously. First of all, I got I to gotta make sure you get a round of applause, Kendall. Let me make sure. We All right, I appreciate return. that. Um, the NBA has its way of being uh, of being drama filled, regardless of whether or not balls are being bounced and <laughs> shots are being taken. Yeah. Um, and so we've had our fair share of scandals, whether it be ownership related, coach related, player related. Uh, we've gotten the whole. Wait, what did uh, what did Adam Schefter say about John Gruden? <laughs> Like the Grand Slam or whatever of controversies. <laughs> I mean, that's what we've gotten when it comes to this oh, NBA offseason. So, yeah. Um, so I'm glad that now the game has started. Uh, the games have started, and we're we're here. Regular season starts next week. Um, for what should be a very interesting NBA season. I know sometimes we say, you know, it's going to be a great year. Or, uh, I don't know about this season. Uh, yeah. This season will be unlike something we've never seen before for a variety of reasons, but, um, but there are, you know, are a lot of teams that feel like they have a shot to win it all. So that's always, that's always a great sign because we've had obviously plenty of years where you go into it thinking there's only one or two teams that uh, have a realistic chance of winning it, winning it all. So that's not the case this year. You know, we've got quite a few that feel like they're in the running. Um, So yeah, it should be very exciting. Excited to talk about it. Yeah, you're right. Because we had what four years in a row where it was Cavs, uh, Warriors in the finals. I mean, we literally had, a, a, you know, almost a half decade or a half decade where, and maybe was, only one of those years it was a, it was a surprise. 
Right, exactly. Where where we you know, we were literally having the same matchup in the NBA Finals, and then we had like what nine straight years of LeBron in the Finals, like you know, like and that's you know not a diss to him at all. It's, you know, it's incredible what he was able to do with the, both the Heat and the Cavs. But when you have that, you know, you're right. It kind of does leave this kind of question of all right, you know, are we kind of just you know kind of going through the motions here to get to what's going to be an eventual matchup of LeBron versus some other great team, you know? And yeah. we've now had a couple of years now in a row where we're off that. We're kind of in a whole new era of the NBA. You know, it's funny. We have, you know, NBA 2K just came out, a game I really enjoy, by the way, this year's version. I've not enjoyed a lot of the recent ones, but this one is fire, I'll admit. But we have, you know, in that game, this, you know, new, you know, franchise mode, which they call the My NBA Eras, where you have, you know, the, the, the Magic Bird era, where you're playing with the teams in the 80s, and you have the Jordan era. Where you start with the teams in the '90s and in the Kobe era, which is, you know, in the early aughts. Like, I don't know if we you know, and of course, there's been a LeBron era we've been living in. I don't know if we know what era this is, which is kind of exciting. Like, that's the kind of like the point. Like, the people who were living in like the Jordan era when it began, like, didn't like know for sure it was a Jordan era until like you know maybe the third time. You're like, oh wow, he's back at the finals. Okay, this is definitely his era. You know, so like I think that that's what makes this really fun because I think that there isn't this kind of inevitability about what's going to happen. And I think this season you're right. There are going to be some things that are going to be really surprising. There are going to be some things that are going to maybe upsetting to some people. Like I I'm I'm very very excited to see how this season ends up playing out. So we got a lot to talk about on this show. We'll be, we'll be giving you guys our picks for the NBA championship. We'll give you guys our MVP picks. We'll also talk about some surprise teams in East Conference. And what the hell is going on with this Victor Wimbenyama sweepstakes that is apparently already well underway after what we saw from him in Vegas last week. But I want to begin this season preview show talking about the Golden State Warriors because they are the defending NBA champions. And typically when you have an NBA champion that's returning, usually it's kind of like, a dramaless situation. We're not accustomed to seeing, you know, you know, tense situations and question marks about what's going to happen with the team moving forward. But Steve Kerr had described what has happened over the past week or so as a crisis right now. He said the greatest crisis his team has ever dealt with since he's been with the Golden State Warriors. So unless you've been living on the rock, you don't understand or you don't know what's been going on. I will briefly note that this all stemmed from a punch from Draymond Green uh, on Jordan Poole in practice. There was a practice altercation that we first only heard was an altercation and we heard a punch was thrown and that was all we really knew. And now because of video that was leaked to TMV, TMZ, we have now seen exactly what this altercation was, which I wouldn't really call it an altercation. It was a one-punch knockout. I mean, uh, Draymond Green is... John with Jordan Poole who's on the sideline. He walks up to him. Jordan Poole gives him a shove after Draymond invades his private, his public, his, you know, his personal space. And Draymond just, just, uh, just clean clocks him. Right hand to the jaw. Jordan Poole goes down. And then, of course, bodies come in. And now you're trying to break everything up. And it was pretty shocking because the description of the fight, obviously, like all these situations that we've seen with any kind of violence, you know, it didn't match the video that we saw, which was pretty, pretty wild, to say the least. So here's what uh, Steve Kerr said about the decision 
to suspend or not suspend Draymond Green. So I want to play this, and then we'll talk about it on the back end about what this means for the Warriors this season. He is going to come back to practice on Thursday. Um, he's been fined. He will not be suspended. I expect him to play Friday in our last preseason game and, and on opening night. Um, we have spent the last week in deep discussions with all of our key figures in the organization, including Jordan and and Draymond, of course, um, Steph, all of our, our players, Bob, myself. And I can tell you there have been uh, a lot of conversations, individual one-on-one discussions, um, players-only discussions. We feel like we have a great feel for our team. You know, we've got uh, a lot of continuity on this team. So Bob and I know our players extremely well. We feel like this is the best way after assessing everything for us to move forward. This is the biggest crisis that we've ever had um, since I've been coach here. It's really serious stuff. We're not perfect. You know, our team isn't perfect. Bob and I have definitely made our share of mistakes over the years, um, but we're going to lean on the experience that we have together you know, over the last nine years um, and trust that this is the best decision for our team. So that was Steve Kerr there saying that Draymond Green would not be suspended. He had taken a leave of absence from the team over for like basically the past week or a little less than a week. He had, you know, went and he did his own press conference. He apologized to, uh, you know, Jordan Poole, to his family, to the organization, to everybody and their mama for the punch. And he said he was stepping away from the team. And there you have Kerr saying he will be back with the team Thursday, which we're recording this podcast Wednesday night, which means most of you people will be listening to this podcast and Draymond Green will be returning on the day you're listening to this show, most likely. So a, a lot going on there, Kendall. I don't want to dwell too much on the decision to suspend or not suspend because we've got a ton to talk about on the show. I personally think it's ridiculous that they're not suspending Draymond Green. I think so Draymond does Bobby Green's... Portis. Really? Or is that yeah, a joke? Well, no, Bobby, well, Bobby punched Portis. somebody and he was. Yeah, he's been going on Twitter saying, really? So I get eight games and, and, this, <laughs> and nothing? Yeah, if you guys don't remember, Bobby Portis, who's now on the box, was playing with the Bulls. He punched uh, Miritich. Nikola Miritich. And no video. Yeah, there's no video of it. But I think he did break his face, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, he was hurt. A broken yeah. orbital bone or something. Like, he, he got seriously hurt. And, you know, you know uh, what's the name? Miritich was on the, on the shelf for a bit. And Bobby Portis got suspended for eight games. This seems sounds like a very similar situation. And Draymond's getting nothing. Now... I thought Mark Spears, shout out to Mark Spears. He's been on this podcast. Great dude, always. And he he had said that the Warriors went to the players first with this. And they were like, what do you guys think we should do? Which is, honestly, it sounds like the players were very upset about that. They said, this is a management deal. Why are you asking us about this? I mean, we're fine if you want to bring him back. But this really shouldn't shouldn't be our call. Which, yeah. I, I kind of go back to, like, these statements from Kerr about, you know, oh, well, you know, we're trying to show leadership and, you know, me and Bob, you know, we're trying to use our experience. I'm just like, I don't know. It sounded like he was trying to pass the buck to me. Yeah. Like, and I and I get wanting to talk to your players. I totally think that that's appropriate. I know I've seen, you see it a lot in the college game when a kid's in trouble and they, when it's tons of, whether you've got to kick the guy off the team or not, a lot of times the coach will go to the players and say, what do you think? Like, that that's fine. But that again, that's college. You know, we're talking about professionals and you're, you're talking about a very serious situation. You're asking the player, the employees, what they think should happen. Like, no, like you guys got to show some gumption there and make a call. And I think it's, it's, it's consistent, honestly, with just how they've treated Draymond. Like the guy 
is a instrumental part of their championship nucleus. And you'd be an idiot to suggest otherwise. The guy also has a tendency to be out of control at times. And I know him being on edge and playing with an edge makes him special. But there are times like this where he goes across the line and it doesn't seem like they have any way to reel him in. And whenever they're pushed with these decisions, like it was with the Kevin Durant situation they had, it just sounds like they don't really know how to manage it with this guy. I mean, Drew Mounds a unique character, so I'm not saying it's easy, but seeing this and saying that this guy who could have put Jordan Poole on the shelf for a long time, we're talking about, you know, concussion syndrome in the NFL, he could have gave Jordan Poole concussion. Like, maybe Jordan Poole's out for a month. You know, he could have broke his face. He could have broke his jaw. Like, he could have done something that actually hurt the team. And the idea that he's not going to get suspended for that seems ludicrous. I know it's a thing of, well, they're trying to see the bigger picture of winning a championship, and I get that. But it just it's a continuing pattern, continuous pattern with this team that when it comes to dealing with Draymond, the rules just don't seem to apply the way they would apply it, certainly for anybody else. So that seemed like a, a botch decision, in my opinion. But when you talk about this, this team moving forward, Kerr has said in that same press conference that Draymond had broken trust, and he has to earn trust back on the team. Do you feel like this situation will impact the chances of the Warriors repeating for a title this year? Um, I think it does, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's one of those situations where it's like because this specific situation happened, mm-hmm. uh, like the Warriors that the Warriors have a less chance of winning a championship. But I think it's more about like whatever we saw. It, it wasn't. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Oh um, yeah, exactly. You know, this is clearly something that's been festering, and I mean, Draymond. You know, we say he's crazy or whatever, but if everything kumbaya, you know, he doesn't go and just clock pool for no reason based on what we saw in the video. Clearly, something has been been festering. There's been some animosity or whatever you want to call it that's been growing. And look, I mean, let's face it. There's contracts that you know. That, that need to be need to be signed and, and money to be made by yep. both gentlemen, you know, yep. Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. So whenever that starts to come into the equation and egos start to get involved, um, you know, for sure that's going to have an effect on the team. And I feel like last year's Warriors team was a team that played very ego-free yes. uh, and, and, and played very selfless. Um the last thing they need is is you know, Draymond Green is supposed to be their leader, uh, you know, not not playing you know not playing that that selfless brand of basketball that he's that he's known for and got Jordan Poole obviously who's always been a, a bucket getter guy anyway but you can't have him out there you know playing just to get stats and look I mean again if this thing continues to fracture continues to splinter I mean honestly the timing of this is actually better than people would think. As crazy as it sounds, I'd much rather have this thing come to a head now than uh, in yeah, yeah, March. March. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, because we've seen that happen to plenty of teams, and teams crumble, and then that's when you get the the, the four game sweep, you know, or the 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 game six against Dallas, like Phoenix had. I mean, Phoenix, we'll talk about them, but their their situation is festering. We got DeAndre Ayton, you know, being like, yeah, I guess I'm, I guess it's cool that I'm back. Uh, I don't talk whatever. to the coach though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever, Monty. You know, like that. That situation has not come to a head, and we'll see how that plays itself out. But you know, they got to figure that out now because uh, because again, you don't want to deal with this stuff in April 
uh, when the playoffs are, are, are getting going. So yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. This is, this will have an impact. I won't say that it's going to, you know, write them off as, as, as a, as a contender, but it's something to, to monitor. If you're, if you're a Warriors fan, if you're other teams in the Western conference, uh, if you're a team in the East, uh, that, 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 you know, looks at golden state, which I would say rightfully so as the biggest threat to winning a championship coming out of the West. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I do think that there is some issues in golden state. There's some, you know, there's been this stuff about, and I saw, you know, Kendrick Perkins saying that, you know, Draymond Green wants to be a Laker, and, you know, you do see this. Yeah, Stephen A. said the same thing. Yeah, and, and you, you do see this bond he has with LeBron James. I, I don't quite get it, but it's not for me to get. Like, that's his friend. So he's very close with LeBron. He's very close with that team over there, Clutch Sports. That's, of course, his representation. And you know, the Lakers have been the Clutch Sports All-Stars. So, you know, Draymond it wants his bag, and he's an old he's an aging player who's kind of a specialist it's going to be very awkward for the warriors because what is he worth on the open market probably not what he's going to ask from them because of his age and because of him being a specialist for the team so i think that that does come with some of this issue with this situation i think you see the, the way that he um i mean it was clear as day he tried to smear jordan Poole after this when that you know, Chris Haynes' article came out about Jordan Poole was acting different because his contract was coming up. I mean, who else is that coming from? <laughs> it clearly is yes. coming from Draymond Green. So, like, the fact that that's even in his head, that he's even go- going down that road to try to give himself some kind of bail for what then was just crazy egregious video that we saw shows you that his head's not in the right place. And he said his head's not in the right place, to his credit. So, yeah, I think that this is a problem. I think that you're talking about this is a Warriors team this year that is a lot younger than it's been in recent years. You know, we're going to see a lot more of the Kamingas, of the Wisemans, of the Moody's. These guys are going to get more minutes this year. It's not going to be necessarily some of these older guys we've seen. You know, uh, Dante DiVincenzo is now on this team, and, and he, he's been around the league for a while, but he's not an old player. Like, this is a, a pretty younger, pretty much a, a younger unit outside of, you know, Iguodala and Jermichael Green, who they brought in, and, of course, the starters that they have. So, you can't have this kind of division. You know, you can't have this kind of situation going on. So, yeah, I do think that there's um, a little bit of trouble happening with this Warriors team because of this. When you look at the Western Conference, Kendall, who do you see as the biggest threat to Golden State? Because I think that that's the one kind of weird thing about really both leagues, but especially this, uh, you know, the Western Conference, is it's kind of hard to kind of pinpoint, like, where the next true – contender is a lot of people are racing to the Clippers I don't quite understand that personally I, I to me like I have to see more from the Clippers and it's kind of a wait and see deal for me like Kawhi he looks pretty good in these preseason games but it is preseason and you know he's also you know getting up there in age so I probably want to see more from them John Wall looks really good in preseason but it's still preseason so I like to see more from him as well so I'm not going to jump out the window for the Clippers as much as everybody else is, but then who else are you looking for? Because, you know, Denver's dealing with uh, guys coming back from major injuries and Porter and, and Murray. We talked about Phoenix having these issues. They they have a lot of talent, but, you know, Jay Crowder's not even with the team right now uh, because apparently he has the clout to just say, yo, I'm going to sit home until you trade me. 
you know, is it Memphis? Like, I don't, I don't know. Where, where do you see this Western Conference shaking out in terms of teams that could truly threaten the Warriors? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the West right now, the West is really. I mean, again, I talked about this is a this is a this is a wide open league right now, and I think we've got teams in both conferences, but speak particularly in the Western Conference. I mean, I think you have legitimately. I'm gonna go as far as say I think there's. I don't want to. I don't want to speak hyperbole, but it's at least seven or eight. I think there's about seven or eight teams that have an at least an outside chance to to win it to win the win the West. Um. Wow. Let's, let's, okay. Let's go through the seven teams. So Warriors, Suns, Warriors, Suns, Grizzlies, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Clippers, Nuggets. Okay, Clippers, Nuggets. So we have five right now. Yes. Are you putting? Uh, I, the think, Pelicans, I think Dallas Pelicans in there. I am putting Dallas, Dallas in there. Between Dallas you know, and Pelicans in there, so that's seven right there. That's seven. I think the eighth. That's a that's outside. Oh, don't and we're not that. talking regular season, but we're don't talking do we get in the playoffs? Don't I think Minnesota. That. Okay, I thought you were gonna say Lakers. I was no, to say. no, do, no, do not no. say that Los Angeles Lakers. No, as long as Kendrick Nunn is, is is running the running the ship at point, the Lakers have no shot. Uh. So but, you're putting the you're putting the T Wolves in there. So I think the T Wolves have an outside chance. This is assuming we see a major leap from Anthony Edwards and mm-hmm. the Rudy Gobert cat thing works as great as you know Tim Connolly could hope it would. You know, with all that being said, Chris Finch is obviously a very good coach. Like if all those pieces come together, so I, yeah, I think there's I think there's legitimately seven teams, seven or eight teams that could win the West. Wow. Again, not regular I mean, season, but in a playoff, get hot like the Celtics did last year. I think it's interesting. I, I do think there are a lot of teams that can win the West. I, I do kind of, like, understand that premise. I think Phoenix, Golden State, Phoenix, and Memphis, the top three teams in the West last year, they are still teams that I think can win the West. I, I'm i more worried about Dallas than you are. Dallas worries that, me, too. Yes. I think, I think not having Brunson is really going to hurt them. And they're going to have to make some kind of move. They're going to have to hope that there's going to be a seller. At the trade deadline, very similar to when they, how they got Spencer Dinwiddie, quite frankly, though they had to sell Porzingis to get him. But like, I, I think they're gonna need another guy. When Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie played really well, he played. He was nothing like the Dinwiddie in Washington. He looked like the Brooklyn Dinwiddie when he got there. So credit to him, he played well for them last year. But I just don't know if they have the horses. I don't know if they got the firepower next to Luca. I can't really take them seriously right now. I honestly, I take I take New Orleans more seriously than Dallas. You know, New Orleans is a major question mark, and a lot of it's, like, kind of just off of, like, a feel thing. <laughs> it's not really – and, I mean, there was a small sample size of, like, you know, that play-in tournament and <laughs> a very competitive series with the Suns where there were some injuries involved. But but I, I, I am a believer in the hype for the Pelicans this year. You know, C.J. McCollum, he, he somehow looks more comfortable playing the point than he almost ever did playing the two. Which is kind of weird because we've always kind of seen him as a shooting guard, but it's probably only because of his circumstance. I guess he played more. Yeah, I mean, he was drafted into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess he he did play a little bit too at at, at Lehigh, but but I mean, him playing point, I thought it would be more of a weird thing, but it really hasn't been. He is a scorer, but like he is, uh, he is also unselfish. He's kind of an interesting player, like. Him at the point, and then you could move him to the two when you bring in Jose Alvarado. He comes in, and he's pressuring the ball and doing what he does. And, I mean, they got weapons, man. Uh, you know, we know Ingram's nice. 
You know Valanciunas is a, is a horse. And now you got Zion looking in great, phenomenal shape. I, we, I feel like we've been here with the Pelicans before where we've been saying, oh, with Zion healthy, they're going to be great. And they never really are. This just feels different. This team, when you just look at their roster top to bottom, when you look at McCollum, Ingram, Zion, Valanciunas, Herb Jones, I love Trey Murphy. I think he started to kind of figure it out in the playoff, which is great to see, by the way. Like, you know, he kind of had a so-so rookie season, though we were both pretty, pretty high on him coming into yes. the, the, to his, his rookie year. And to me, it felt like when he got into uh, the playing tournament and then the, in the postseason, he had some really good moments. You know, it wasn't all good. He had some bad games there, too. Uh, but, like, you saw it, it, it seemed like he, the light bulb started to maybe come on for him. So you combine those young players with some of the vets they have, they're deep. I do agree that they're a team that I think would be a serious threat. Minnesota is weird to me because what is their bench? Everybody goes to the whole Cat and Robert and, and 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 Rudy Gobert thing, which is is important. But they you know they trade a bunch of guys that. You know, to Utah, that and at the end of the day, we're kind of maybe anonymous when we think about it, except for Pat Beverly. But I mean, those guys were playing for them last year, playing significant minutes. Yeah, uh, they were decent. Yeah, and Beasley, I would say too. That's true. And now the bench is kind of revamped. Uh, you got Austin Rivers in there. Uh, I love Kyle Anderson as a player. I think this is kind of a weird team for him, though, in terms of fit. I don't necessarily love this fit with Minnesota, to be honest. Naz Reed's a very good player. I like him a lot, but. You know, Brent Forbes is also on this team. I, I worry about Minnesota's death, which kind of has been their problem, really, it seems like, since they drafted Cat. But I don't know if that's really been fixed with anything they've done. So where are you at with the Timberwolves and their championship contention? Um, You're saying it's I mean, look, four, you think it hedges a lot on Edwards. I think it does. I mean, there's... There's people out there that think Edwards could come out of this season as maybe the best two guard in the game. Uh, I think that's lofty, but like John Morant took a huge leap from year two to year three, where he went from, you know, really great young point guard to literally one of, yeah, Yeah. two or three best point guards in the league side of nowhere. So if Edwards takes a similar jump, and Edwards has the, ability he just doesn't have the the basketball experience to 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 consistently play at that level um you know and and some of that again a lot of that just comes with experience and um we'll see how much you know work he put in in the offseason and that'll be a big deal but you know i think whatever people think the Cleveland Cavs are i think minnesota is the western conference version of that so we'll see. Mm. Um, we'll see whether or not that. The problem is just they're in a tough. They're in a tough conference, you know. Like, with all that being said, you know you got to show up every night. And again, this is going to be a weird season. We'll get into some of the tanking stuff later, but yeah, like there's going to be a lot of easy. There's going to be a lot of easy nights in this league. So I think the teams that really want to make the playoffs aren't going to have a tough time, with it, or at least to play in. Aren't gonna have enough time. Aren't gonna have a tough, a tough time with it at all. So that is gonna be a very interesting dynamic that I don't think we've ever seen before in this league. I I would almost be. And I know there were some conversations this off season that didn't really go anywhere, but I would love to kind of see if they could consolidate D'Angelo Russell into more pieces. 
for this team because I just don't know really what he does for them at this point. There are so many other scorers in that starting lineup now, and I'm including J.D. McDaniels in that because J.D. McDaniels is is the real deal. Uh, He's really developed into a nice player. So Edwards, Cat, J.D. McDaniels got to get touches now. They really like Jalen Noel as well. Yes, yes, they and they we should. He he also he also can fill it up. So and I forgot about him on the bench. He's also uh, yes uh, a good young player for them. So I almost feel like they can consolidate Russell into like another wing guy, um, and maybe a, a point guard that makes more sense. I could maybe take them more seriously. Like I'm not saying you should do this trade, but. If there were more pieces at Utah that made sense for them, like could they trade Russell and get back Conley and like some other guys? Like I don't know if Conley's that guy necessarily, but something like that is like what I would kind of foresee from Minnesota that I think could maybe make them maybe take them more seriously. I do also it's funny you also mentioned that like Edwards being like the the tipping point, which I kind of agree with because I think that Cat is probably like truly like a two on a championship team, not a one. So. If he's yeah. not a one, then the one has to be Anthony Edwards. And he got the talent, but, you know, does he have, again, the experience, the wherewithal? Does he have the maturity? We, we saw some 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 terrible judgment from him on, on Instagram that he had to apologize for recently. And like, you know, the, those are the questions and marks that, quite frankly, we had a little yeah, bit. Yeah, where's, the, where's the focus? Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit the questions and marks we had with him, honestly, since he was coming out of Georgia. And and though there's still question marks, you know, I think everyone knows the talent is incredible. There's no one that doubts this kid's talent, but those questions are going to be what kind of I think tip the scale for them. I think it's interesting that you see Minnesota. I wasn't sure what you would think of even that Cat Gobert tandem. I'm not even sold, I'm not even sold filthy. on that yet. What do you say? You know, two K would be filthy. I don't know if it. In real right, life, yeah. if it's gonna work out. But. Yeah, when I played against someone two K, they got I got washed by the. By the yeah, team. it's like good luck scoring on this guy. Yeah, I got washed. It was it was pathetic. So, yes, two K. They're two K warriors. There, I tell you what. I mean, to me, when I look at the biggest threat, I think I look at Memphis. For me, um, people are sleeping on them because they didn't do a whole lot. Right, and there is that aspect of you know you should be a little concerned about a team that just decides not to do anything that I think is real. But remember, Dylan Brooks missed a lot of last season. Yes. You know, and he was supposed to be their starting shooting guard. And they got kind of lucky that Desmond Bain, I don't want to say lucky because you know how much I love Desmond Bain. And I think I thought that he was a starting caliber shooting guard. But they got, they were they were great with their wherewithal to draft the player, the caliber Desmond Bain, him come in in year two, be not just even like a starting level shooting guard, but like a plus I think shooting guard. So now they're together now as a wing tandem, and hopefully they're healthy because Bain also was, was not healthy at all in the playoffs last year. I think that hurt them in their series against the Warriors. Now you got those two guys healthy. John Morant is still John Morant. He's a supernova. Um, the bench should still be really good. I know they lost Kyle Anderson, but now this gives Zaire Williams uh, an opportunity. Uh, the question, I think, for them is going to be, can Jaron Jackson stay healthy? Because that's always been the question, and it's still an issue. You know, the guy's... Uh, the guy's always hurt. Um, you know, he had he had uh, the procedure on his right foot, so he's waiting to come back, and, you know, they hope he'll be back soon, but he still hasn't played yet. You know, this was an injury that they thought would be 
you know, uh, you know, a four to six month injury, the stress factor in his foot that happened in June, you know, that would put you in line for more of, you know, sometime November, you know, maybe December, you know, maybe you're talking about New Year, you know, with these kind of injuries. So that's the team I would look at. But it, for me, it heads on, you know, when is Jaron Jackson come back and how healthy is he? I thought it was interesting that they're starting Santi Aldama right now, who is nothing like Jaron Jackson, really. But he's been playing well in preseason. And, you know, I know you were a big fan of him in that draft. He was kind of a shocking pick in the first round a couple of years ago. They got it. They still got a really good team, man. I, I think that Memphis is the team I would look at. I'm very concerned about this, the, the Suns' psyche. I don't yeah. know. It just something just seems. I mean, they've been through a lot. the The ownership deal was is a lot, and it's it's kind of still ongoing. Like the team's not for sale, so it's not like it's really ended. But you know, we know and they, it looks like the players took it harder than many would expect. Like, yeah, they, you know, they Starver see- has this obviously bad, you reputation. know, yeah. reputation around the league. He has for decades, over a decade. But you would think, you know, oh. <laughs> An owner that bad ever had to sell the team, like with Sterling, like you, like the team would be throwing a parade, you know, it wouldn't be right. kind of somber, but it was very somber, you know, with this team, you know, at media day and just what we've seen from them. It doesn't seem like that was a team that, you know, that, that relished in, in, in Sarver losing the team. I mean, Chris Paul did it seemed, but like Devin Booker wasn't necessarily as excited about it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, We'll see, and then and then remember they're also coming off that they're also coming off that collapse. Like, like that, like that's why this thing was so bad. I think for them was not only did you have this thing happen like off season slash like kind of like training camp almost really because it happened like right as training camp was starting, but um, but then you also had like how the season ended, which was this like I don't know this inexplicable performance if you want to even call it a performance that they put on in Game Seven at home where they were down by like fifty points, like. That that will mess up your psyche in itself against a team that everybody thought that they would handle. So yes. I I just think that they're kind of punch drunk right now. Like this is and it doesn't help. Obviously, Chris Paul's a year older. That doesn't help the situation at all. Like I think the Suns will be a good team. Like they have too much talent not to be good. But it, this just feels like a like a wash year. It just feels like anything that's bad this could happen is going to happen this year. There, you guys are going to get hurt. Guys are gonna be unhappy. Aiden's got like 160 million, and he doesn't seem happy about it. Like you know, like it just it's just bad vibes. They just the, you want to talk about the team that's the uh, that's the the lowest rating for bad vibes in the league right now. I think the Phoenix Suns would be when a guy really wants to get out and you match the contract like that. Very rarely, like that guy never ends like, well. Yeah, that guy never stays lives. Up, he never lives up to the money. He never lives like, up to that contract, and he never stays on that team either. No, I mean, eventually end up having Gordon? to trade him. Yeah, ironically, he wanted to go to the Suns in that in that situation. Yeah, the Hornets yeah, slash Pelicans exactly. at that time, were, you know, he's a restricted free agent and he was trying to get out. He told told him, please do not match this offer, and they were like, uh, no, and they matched it. And he was like in tears apparently uh, on the phone with them, and he was never a great player for the Pelicans and 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 uh, and uh, Hornets for that time. Like he he never lived up to that contract, even though he came off of an outstanding season that warranted a max contract, which is what he got from New Orleans. Yeah, you could be seeing the same thing with Aiden this year. It wouldn't surprise me. I really really want Denver to be that team because I feel like, you know, the Warriors handled Denver really easily last year and it allowed people to kind of, you know, dance on 
Nikola Jokic's grave for being a two-time MVP that some people don't think he should have won. But, I mean, he was playing with, like, guys who, like, shouldn't be in the league, guys who aren't in the league anymore. And if they are able to have uh, Jamal Murray healthy and if Michael Porter can be healthy, they brought in Bruce Brown and they brought in Contavious Caldwell-Pope, which I think was an underrated move. Bone Highland, he takes a step up. Like, the Denver Nuggets, they could be a great team. And they could be the team that, that does master Warriors. Because to me, they're the team that I look at on paper, maybe outside of, Maybe outside of Phoenix, when Phoenix is right. But they're the team that I look at it and say, okay, this team has the firepower to absolutely go gun for gun with the Warriors if everything is right and everything's healthy. I don't know if there's some of those other teams I look at. Like Memphis, I feel like they're going to have to get up tempo. They're going to have to guard up. Like, you know, but they have the, they have a, such a great athleticism advantage that they, they, that's why I think that they're probably the team. But in terms of just pure scoring, pure shooting, I think Denver might be the team I would look at and say that, that, that they could be it. But I just don't know if I can really trust the health of their two of their top three players. Yeah, no, Denver, like you said, on paper, should be that team when healthy. I mean, they've been really good without Porter and Murray. Like, they've been able to – Jokic is such a great player. They've been able to sort of stay afloat. And so if those guys can – can be healthy and those guys can be the guys that, that we've seen them be at times. Uh, I mean, Murray's not going to be bubble Murray just based off of the, all the data that we have on all the, all the bubble heroes, bubble champions, they, they come back down to earth. So uh, if, 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 if Tyler hero and, and TJ Warren or any, or, or, or any indication, I don't think Murray will be getting 50, 60 points in, in the playoff game, but still if Jamal Murray could be the all-star level guy that we we've seen him be then yeah like the Denver team should be that should be that 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 threat to win the west and i mean you know Jokic is sort of in that spot that Giannis was in you know last season or, or two seasons ago when they won the title where it's like you know we've seen you do everything in the regular season like you know Jokic could average a triple double and do all this crazy stuff and we're not going to, you know, it's going to be a Stephen A meme where we're, we're not going to blink. Like it's going to be whatever. We'll see, see what you do in the playoffs. And that, that is always tough because when, <laughs> when your success is solely based on what are you going to do in the playoffs? It makes the regular season a little bit of a, of a malaise, but, um, but it's a real thing. Like, you know, at this point, like he's got to win now, um, you know, and, and, and that, that obviously is not it's easier said than done, but we know he's 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 one of the you know four or five best players in the league. You know he's within the he has the talent level and the ability and with with everybody healthy, you should have the help to get that done. So that'll be a big storyline to watch in the Western Conference. Yeah, no, it absolutely will be. Let's talk about the East. Let's talk about your guys, Kevin, the Boston Celtics. So they had this this really really great run to the NBA finals. They were up in that series, but they couldn't close the deal and the Warriors ended up winning the championship, but there was a lot of excitement because you had this young team, this young head coach that looked like they were going to be a team that was going to be a force to be reckoned with moving forward with Udoka at the head. But now Udoka is sidelined. He was suspended because of the whole deal regarding the inappropriate relationship that he apparently had with a staffer. And now you got uh, Missoula coaching the team this year. And 
it I almost feel like the Warriors situation kind of like took them off the hook a little bit now. Like we're not really talking much about them uh, in their whole weird situation, which is maybe even more weird than the Warriors and what they're dealing with. Where do you see the Celtics right now? Are they still the team to beat in the East in your eyes? Man, I mean, the Celtics were so weird because we weren't the team to beat. We weren't even the conversation. I don't think people really looked at them as a team to beat while they were winning all those games in the playoffs still. You know? No, yeah, we weren't we weren't in the conversation at all to win the East this time last year, um, and we certainly weren't in the conversation at you know in January. And like you say, going heading into the playoffs, they were playing incredible basketball, but they still were not favored to win. You know, against a basically weren't favored to win against a seven seed in the first round. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a team that, like you said. People don't necessarily have, have not necessarily viewed as the best team in the Eastern Conference uh, for a long time, and so it, from a from a outside standpoint, like it's hard for me to say. I mean, I want to say no just based off of what everybody else says. Like, like Milwaukee is still really good, and I, you know, I mean, like the GM survey just came out. I believe they're the favorites to win the title from the GMs. Like Milwaukee's still really good. Uh, Philly obviously is still really good. Uh, Miami is going to be really good. Like there's, there's, you know, plenty of teams that I could go down the list that should be just as formidable as Boston. Um, the Celtics obviously have a really, really good tandem with Brown and Tatum and really, really good guys around them. Uh, you know, obviously Al Horford played with his hair on fire. Uh, yeah, incredible with, ball. Yeah, played incredible basketball. He doesn't really have much hair, so I can't really use that now. But uh, played 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 incredible basketball in the playoffs. So that's going to be a really big question for that team: is can can you get that much juice out of Horford for another eighty whole eighty two game season plus another long, hopefully playoff stretch? Um, you know, you brought in Gallinari, then he gets hurt. Now you're bringing in Blake Griffin. What is the drop off there? Uh, for the most part, you bring everybody back and then you add Malcolm Brogdon. You know, it's a nice move. Um, you know, it's not the, the game changer guy, but if, but you know, if, if your team's as close as you would have liked, as you would like, and I mean, this is a team that was two games away from winning the title, you know, Malcolm Brogdon is a good enough guy to make the difference in, in those types of games. I mean, like Derek White, bringing him in was the, felt like the difference in getting you to the finals in some ways. Yeah. Um, Brogdon is a similar level player, similar level move that you hope will, will win you two more games. You know that Derek White was help, able to help you guys help help them win. So, I mean, yeah, I, I you know with, with a team like this, like you just expect Tatum and Brown to continue to develop. Uh, you know, and you know Marcus Smart, obviously Defensive Player of the Year, shouldn't expect much different from him this year. Uh, it's just about staying healthy, and you know the the, the coaching change. It'll be felt, um, and it, but it's so hard. It, like it's so hard to to really gauge because you're. I mean, Udoka was only there for one year. Um, like they were they were good before he got there. You know, they were good when he was there. So it's hard to it's hard to really gauge what's going to be the impact if they fall apart this year. Then we'll know. Like yeah, Udoka was the, was the he was the glue. He was the the, the thing that put them over the top. Um, because they hadn't gone to the finals, you know, 
prior to him being there. So that's that's the one that's the one difference that mm-hmm. that he was able to get them over that hump. So yeah, it, it's hard to tell, but um, it's also just a, it's a crazy spot to put a young coach that people are really high on in Joe Missoula, but was not projected to get a, a head coaching job for two or three coaching cycles. Carousel. Yeah, and yeah, he's really been now. Yeah, yeah, now he's not only is he a head coach, but you know, like he's a head coach of a team that has a chance to win a championship. Like Will Hardy was the Celtics' top assistant and has been getting head coaching interviews for four or five years now, and you know he took a job in Utah where he's being tasked with coaching, you know, a team that's going to lose sixty plus games. You know, they they were kind of walking him in slowly. You know, Missoula was also up for that Utah job, but you know, he you would think would be coaching a more of a team like that than a team like this, but uh, but here we are, and they, you know you can't. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, I mean this is this is the circumstances you have, and Missoula's been been around Brad Stevens for a long time, been around now Ime Odoka. Um, he's got good people on the staff, Damon Stoudemire. Ben Sullivan. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I believe, I don't know if that if it ever got finalized, Jay Larinaga was coming back, but um, he was a big part of the Brad Stevens coaching staff I think, as well. I think I heard that he was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they've got experience around him, but, you know, Udoka was stone cold in the playoffs. Yes. I mean, that, that, it's not easy. And Udoka was a guy that I see. Was, no, he would not be. I'm sorry. I got that mixed up. Okay. He would not be leaving for the Clippers. Uh, uh, Udoka was a guy that was stone cold in the playoffs, you know, and he was he had been groomed for that head coaching position for a long time as well. So, you know, that's 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 gonna be a quality that I don't know if Joe Mazzulla is gonna be able to just easily replace. But, uh, but again, no other way to find out but then to, to see the games play themselves out. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, Emil Doka had to start somewhere too, you know, as a new coach who had never coached before, though he was again a little more advanced his coaching career I, for some reason i don't know i i don't feel great about either of these teams that went to the finals last year there's a part of me that feels a little better about the celtics only because one i, I they're younger so just the aspect of trying to come back from a long playoff run you would think that physically they should be more up to the task i am very concerned about bob williams time lord like him being gone for a month or two He's had that same bulky knee that bothered him all of last season that they I thought they fixed and now they, apparently they didn't so now he's out again. Well, they said it couldn't get worse playing on it, right? <laughs> yeah, he needed. Where have I heard that before? Where yeah, well, yeah, that seems to be a recurring theme with Celtic players gutting it through the playoffs, right? So, I mean, the guy is a complete. He changes the entire game when he's on the floor. Like he's an extremely important player, one of the more unique players I think in the NBA. So. It's it's kind of crazy to have him and Horford because Horford is like so good at what he does that like you can kind of almost make up for not having Time Lord. But then when Time Lord's out there, you're like, oh right, this is why they're special. Like when he's playing, like they're really good when Horford's out there and then Grant Williams can do the job. And I guess they're gonna act Blake Griffin to do the job too. Um, but like when Time Lord's out there, you're like, oh no, this is a dynamic that like a lot of teams don't have, and they have it. And we combine him and Horford, now you're really in trouble trying to trying to score on them. So. That that's probably the only thing that holds me back. I really like the Brogdon move. I thought that that was a stellar move by the Celtics, and the fact that he gets to come off the bench, meaning he, he keeping him healthy, should be a lot easier. That's been one of his biggest issues. 
they needed somebody who can organize them. Like, when you watch those games, some of the games they won the playoffs. It just seemed like they couldn't get into their offense. They couldn't seem to get, you know, good sets. And a lot of that comes from no real point guard on the floor. You know, Marcus Smart is playing point guard, but he's more of a lead guard to me than, like, a true floor general. So, Brogdon is a floor general. So, even if he's not starting, bring him in off the bench and letting him operate. And I think that he will start some games this year, too, for the Celtics. He may be the starter by the time the playoffs come. Who knows? But I thought that that was a really good move. I think that was a, a, team, a move that improved their team a lot. You know, losing Gallo hurts. I, I I wasn't as enthralled about the Gallo signing, to be honest. I didn't think that was as big a great, as big a move as people thought. I thought Brogdon was more important. So I'm curious to see how, how that goes. I think when I think about the rest of the Eastern Conference, I, I look at Milwaukee as a team that if I was the Celtics, I'd be very concerned about. Because with Milwaukee, it, this almost feels like a – I don't know why. Maybe I'm just making this up. But it, doesn't it feel kind of like the last dance for this group? Like the Holiday, Antetokounmpo, Milton, Lopez, Bucks. It just feels Thank like you. if they don't they do not do it now, like you, they're probably going to have to do something drastic to kind of like change the furniture. Not necessarily because they're bad players or there's an issue. It's just, you know, you've gone now with this nucleus for several years in a row. You got one championship one year. You didn't get there because there were injuries. And that's what comes with, you know, relying on older players. You know, Brooke Lopez is 34 years old. Holiday's 32. Chris Middleton is 31. No, no, 31 is probably not, not as concerned. But, you know, he's, he's getting up there. And, you know, Giannis, you know, he's the centerpiece. He's the youngest guy at 27. Like, you guys start to look at it and say, okay, who are we putting around our – franchise player and are we going in the right direction it could go one of two ways i could i could see them kind of taking a major step back because those injuries pile up and that age they start to show or i could see them saying look this is probably our last shot to really win a title with this nucleus you know and again not this team because Giannis is only a Giannis team you always have a chance but with this nucleus like this is our last shot i could see them you know having a really great season see them making a deep run because if it wasn't for, I think, the Milton injury, you can make a great case that they are back in the finals last year. Like, they lost to the Celtics, the team that went to the championship. They went seven games. It took Jason Tatum having a miraculous, I don't want to say miraculous, he's a great player, but, like, having a special performance in game six to get them back to Boston in game seven. Like, things break one way or another. The, the Bucks could be right back in the finals. So, I, I look at Milwaukee as a team that I would be probably most concerned about if I was Boston. I don't know. East is very weird because then there are a lot like to me, like Milwaukee is an obvious team that we all kind of expect most likely to kind of be there towards the end. Then there are all these other <laughs> there are all these other teams where you're Philly and what the what's the deal with, you know, James Harden. There's Brooklyn and we, you know, we can talk about Brooklyn forever. I, I, I even throw Miami in there. It's kind of like a question mark, like. They they had a great year last year, but somehow it still felt like I don't know something about that year to me for Miami still felt a little fraudulent. Them getting all the way to the conference finals and losing at home to a Celtics team that I, I that a lot of people didn't think would get there. I don't know. It's like like the 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 that's why I that's and that's why I feel better about Boston than I do about Golden State. Like I feel those teams in the West, though there's some strife. I feel like a lot of those teams. Can, are, are real like a lot some of these teams in the top of the east besides milwaukee i don't know what the hell to expect from them 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia is one that, I mean, I you know, I don't really like any of these teams, but, uh, you know, Philly is obviously uh, a team that I definitely am not a, not a fan of, but they are interesting because, they are. I mean, they're they may that, have like, the best they player. Had a, they had a bad, they had an injury in the playoffs. Like, that's why it's so hard yeah. to evaluate these teams because it's like, how do you evaluate Philly coming off those injuries? How do you evaluate Brooklyn, like, with, Whatever the hell was going on with them last year in this offseason. like I don't know what something I don't know what some of these teams really are. <laughs> we know that they got yeah. talent, but like, are they really championship caliber? Yeah, I mean, with Philly, I think the big question is obviously. I mean, obviously, Harden's got to play at you know his normal level. I mean, I think he would admit he didn't play up to up to his standard. Uh, what do you, you think? Know, to, what do you think is uh, reasonable? To expect from James Harden? Uh, I mean, so, I mean, so, like, in the regular season part, he doesn't have to do the, you know, get a triple-double every night, get 40 and 10 and, and, and 8 every night. Like, he used to back in Houston with this type of team. But I don't think anybody, yeah, he didn't play great in the regular season when he got traded in, <laughs> he got traded to Philly, but... Honestly, again, people are it's kind of like Jokic, where people don't, really don't care what Harden does in the regular season. Like, right. you know, if he plays great in the regular season, that'll be that'll be a story, and that'll be something to pay attention to. But there's going to be a large segment of people that are like, "Well, we all know he's not going to play this in the playoffs, so whatever." And that's the re- that's really going to be the big question: is how does he respond in the postseason? And you know, last year, I mean, you know, I th- I mean, Tyrese Maxey might have been the second best player on the team. And you know that that's a problem if you're if you're James Harden and the development of Tyrese Maxey plus the resurrection of James Harden resurgence of James Harden whatever you want to call it will be the two biggest factors plus the health of Joel Embiid mm-hmm. will be the two biggest factors for this Philly team because like I mean if if Maxey is a legitimate star if he's an All Star level guy which I mean, that's what people were telling me, uh, you know, then the, the way you phrase that saying is the way people telling you are suggesting that you, you don't actually believe what they're telling <laughs> that's what people you. telling me. I mean, 2K saying, you know, him and Jay LeBron are almost the same level player. Okay, so uh, now, we know, now we definitely know Kobe Kendall doesn't believe it because he's bringing in 2K ratings for Jay, Jay, yeah, Jay, I mean, Jalen Brown yeah. in this case. I think, so. he, what is he, an 85 on 2K or something like that? And Jalen Brown's an 86, 87. I'm like, this is ridiculous. But Regardless, if 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 Tyrese Maxey's a you know he's that kind of guy, then yeah, I mean, and the, then this team should this team has everything on paper to be able to win the the East, and I think we're at a point where if they don't, I feel like that's Doc Rivers. This might be his last rodeo uh, in Philly, and then honestly, with Doc, you start to ask the question, what what's next? You know, because he's done almost everything. He's coached almost everybody, like besides LeBron. Like, what what what's what's the next job he's gonna jump to, or is he just gonna go to TV? Yeah, Doc Rivers had like, I mean, he started with one of the worst coaching jobs. I don't want to make it sound like he's only had great coaching jobs, but like, he's had like a run of like the like the best coaching jobs. <laughs> like, yeah, he started in Orlando. Yeah. He did have team. He won a title, so not right. Surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he he went to Boston. And, like, Boston was good when he, like, got them. Like, you know, I know, like, things soured really fast. But he still had, like, Port Pierce in his prime and Anton Walker in his prime. Like, he had good players. 
And like then it got bad, but then it got good again. Then he coached Boston all those years, and then he went to the Clippers, and he kind of got to call a shot there by going to the Clippers. And then he got to Philly, and it's like if he, I mean, it's like I, I say that to say, you know, he's sixty-one years old, or he's gonna be sixty-one literally in a couple of days. Like, at what point, like, does he get another great? Does he get another great job again, or does he have to go to like a, a lesser job? Like he's been going from title contender to title contender for the last two jobs he got. He coached the title contender before he left. Like, I don't like you said. Like, where does he go at this? Point? He hasn't coached in the NBA Finals in over a decade. Yeah, yeah, he's not been on that kind of stage to warrant really having that kind of job. Now, I guess you could maybe say his overall track record, the regular season record, and, and the way his teams have performed overall. Some of his teams have overachieved, given some of the issues that they've had. You know, the Clippers had a rebuild one year, and he still led them to 42 wins. Uh, like, so that was before they got Kawhi and uh, Paul George. So. It's you know sometimes sometimes it's, it's very kind of tricky to, to to kind of pinpoint exactly what happens to Doc if they don't get it done. But you would think that there has to be a change. They can't blame Ben Simmons anymore. They re-signed Harden, so even if they do blame Harden, like he's not going anywhere. So like something is going to have to change if they don't get it done. So I would imagine that that would be Doc Rivers. I mean, Doc has gotten. <laughs> I feel very torn on Doc as a coach. Like, there's a part of me that does feel like, I mean, yeah, the guy, like, I do think he makes a lot of excuses. I do think that his teams have flopped in really bizarre ways. I don't really blame him for happening last year, but uh, his teams have not performed when they're supposed to in a lot of times. In some ways, he has a championship, so it's a little different, but in some ways, he does kind of feel like the Buck Showalter of, like, the NBA. Like he gets a lot of great jobs. I was trying. I was trying to think of the NFL comp, but yeah, he gets a lot of great jobs, and his teams win a lot. Like they win a lot, and he seems to do a good job of like managing a regular season, and then it gets to the playoffs, and it's just like, what what's going on? (laughs) Like what are we watching? We watching the same team? Like that's again, it's a little different only because he did win a championship, but that's a that's the vibe I get with Doc Rivers. I feel like the NFL Charles Walter typically is just he stays around for a long time and then he's gone. Like that's usually what happens. So the NFL, the closest thing in the NFL is maybe like Andy Reid, but like Andy Reid's yeah. only been I'm, only coached two places. Yeah, I'm almost thinking like Marty Schottenheimer, another guy, but again, another guy who never won a championship, but similar. Right. It's like you know the guy. He seems to know. He says the kind of he looks like a head coach. He sounds like a head coach. His teams have great regular season success, but for whatever reason, like they have these crazy meltdowns in the playoffs. And like you said, there's now this. There's like 13 years of this. This is not oh, you know, five years or like it's, like they went to the finals in 2010. It's 2022. We're going into the 2023 season, like 13 years of this, pretty much. So yeah, Doc Rivers. You know, we'll get to head coaches in the hot seat in a second, but definitely I got to watch. How do you feel about Brooklyn? Because I am not inclined to really take them that seriously. But that also feels like a mistake because last year I did take them seriously and that was a mistake. So now I'm like, all right, I took them very seriously up until literally the playoffs when I had them beating the Celtics in the first round and I looked like an idiot. So, I mean, I I enjoyed looking like an idiot because watching them flop was amazing as a Knicks fan. But I looked like an idiot for saying that they would win that series and that they would still be a threat in the playoffs. I come into this season. We know Kevin Durant. We know who he is, as he always likes to tell us. But he did have this weird 
thing with them where he was trying to get out of there and he couldn't, it looks like. So now he's back. He's saying he's good. But I just don't trust anything Kevin Durant says about his own, even his own contentness about a situation. He's always complaining about something. He's always got some gripe about something. It's part of probably well, part of it makes him great is that he kind of has this kind of perpetual cantankerous attitude that he's you know adopted for the last I don't know eight years or so, but I, I do think that that was not nothing. Like I don't know how they just move on from that. He tried to literally get rid of the head coach and the president uh, in his quest to get out of Brooklyn, and then you know Kyrie Irving is who just you just don't know what you're gonna get from him. You know, for the most part, you know what we can get from him from the court. He's fairly reliable when he's actually playing. He's very talented. But when it comes to just the course of an 82-game season, as crazy as it sounds, part of me wonders, like, is it going to even be harder to, like, manage the locker room with him in there 82 games, if that makes sense? Like, is that crazy? It's, it's going to be that, turmoil. Yeah, like, like, and maybe that's, like, there are some people listening to this and may say that sounds insane. And I'm not saying that they're a better team without him. You know, with half, him playing half the season, then the whole season. I'm not saying that at all. But I, when I'm talking about the, the the chemistry and the locker room presence, like it's all, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. It's almost like we have a you know I don't know. I can't really think of an example. But sometimes we have a, a unit, whether it be a room, a unit of friends or a unit of family, and everyone is just a little more at ease, a little more comfortable with who they are. And then like that one person, that one friend who is a friend, so you had to you gotta let him come around. Shows up and, you know, you love him, but he kind of ruins the vibe. Like, I feel like Kyrie's that person. And he'll be great for a week, a couple of months, whatever. But you got to see Nash, who did not, does not have the confidence of his coach. I mean, I mean he's a star player. I'm sorry. I don't care what the hell Kevin Durant says. You can't tell me you told, uh, you know, the, the owner to fire the coach and say, why? Well, yeah, him or me. Him. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't have the confidence of his best player. Which means that he's not going to have the confidence a lot of that locker room because if they think KD is not all in, then why are those other guys going to buy in? You do I really think he has the ability to manage this locker room for eighty-two games now with Kyrie in there and Ben Simmons, who there was that whole deal with him and playing and not playing during the playoffs. He seemed to get a lot of flack for that, and he seemed to push back for that. Uh, you know, kind of behind the core sources, everybody during that whole Celtics debacle. All of that being said. That's kind of why I'm out on the Nets in terms of taking them seriously as a championship contender. You can't deny their talent, but there's just other stuff that just they're gonna have to show me before I believe in them again. Yeah, I mean you're 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 your uh, hesitance, your reluctance to to buy into this team fully is. Uh, it's 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 based in logic. It's based in history with these guys, and you know, at what point? Like, I mean, we could talk, we could say what we want about the Nets, um, and the turmoil and all that from just a from from a from from a standpoint of characters, but just strictly basketball. I mean, the Celtics, there were no excuses for why the Nets, you know, played as bad as they did, like. When, you know, Durant, like, like, I mean, I don't, I, I, it's been so long. I, I you know, in that series was yeah, so much has so, happened. So much has happened so in the quick. NBA since that happened. That sometimes Kyrie played every game, it. right? Yes, he did. Played every game. Yeah, Kyrie played in every game. I mean, the only, the only basketball thing that has changed is Ben Simmons is back, which could be a big deal. But 
like that shouldn't that wouldn't have mattered four years ago. You know, it didn't matter two years ago. Like if it, when it was just Kyrie and KD, those guys were just when they were just the two best players on the floor. That team was unguardable, and you know, and then obviously when you had Harden in the mix, it was it was they were definitely unguardable. Like that team last year was not. That team last year was 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 very it was very easy to guard. Um, yes, I know, which is crazy to say with Kevin Durant, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they gotta they they. It's sort of like that that deal that we've seen with the Lakers, where it's like, oh well, I mean, any team with LeBron and AD, gotta give them a shot. But at this point, I'm like, these other teams in the league, like the Celtics, were really good, so that that obviously has to be factored right. in that they were they were two games away from winning winning the title. Um, so I mean, if they run into I don't know Chicago or somebody or Toronto, right. like maybe yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, they maybe they. Story. Yeah, maybe it's a different story. Maybe they get they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They get to at least the second round. But, but I mean, that looks like a team. I mean, again, they got swept. Like it wasn't like I mean, yeah, they, got, they got they got dominated. Yeah, the first yeah. two games were close, but then they got dominated when it got to Brooklyn. Yeah, and so like that 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 looked like a team that was that wasn't close to being a contender. Exactly. Um. So we could talk about, and that's the expectation with with these guys. You know, like. Well, they made the playoffs. I mean, they should. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, they definitely made the playoffs. Yeah, but beyond that, like, I don't know. I don't know if they should have any other expectation. Um, I'm also, I'm also very, I'm very skeptical about Ben Simmons's value as a power forward on this team. I, I think they'd be better off having him play the one and moving Kyrie to the two. Like, I, I just. I think the idea, and I was ta- shout out to um, shout out to uh, my boss at uh, at, at uh, WFAN CBS Sports Radio, Scott Pikeskin, who of course he does the the, the rights to Ricky podcast, so he's very familiar with Ben Simmons's game. So we were talking about a little bit about this fit. Like I, I think that the idea is that like he can kind of be like a supercharged Draymond, and he can be very deadly in the short roll game and in the high post game as with his passing and and, and ball handling abilities. But that's always know. been my vision. I know. I've always had that that long vision. I know. Man. We and you have been we've we've da- we've done this dance for. Well, I can't say we've done this dance for a long time. We did it during his draft status, and then we did it when he was about to get traded. Yeah. And he didn't get traded, so that we just we're just not talking about him for a long time. So now we're at the same question again, and I think we're both on the same side of. I think his value decreases greatly the minute he's not playing point guard. Because he can't score, he yeah. he's an extremely, and I feel like there like I think that there was a question about that with you and me for a while. I think now that I think I did win that battle at least. Like he's a pedestrian scorer. I'm not gonna say offensive player because he's an excellent passer, an excellent uh, ball uh, uh, ball handler. But his offensive game for our scoring is rudimentary. I mean, he's not doesn't really have much shot creation. He won't really take many jump shots or pull up jump shots. It's pretty much uh straight line drives and dunks and layups. Like if he can get that, like that's how he's going to get his offense. And that's it. No real post game that he can put to memory. to quote Stephen A. Smith told my Kwame Brown. That's probably a little mean, but, but like, you know, like he doesn't have a real post game. Like, and again, post play is not, it's not like that's super important, but like when I'm just trying to think of fun, uh, functionally what he does at the power forward, that is so great. And so needed and so valuable. 
I, I don't really see it. And then Spike made a good point where he was saying the thing about Draymond is Draymond's a dog defensively. And we know Simmons is a great defender, but we never really asked him to be what Draymond does. Draymond guards centers. Draymond guards burly power forwards. Like, Draymond guards, like, really, like, tough SOBs every night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. Ben Simmons, he's never shown that kind of dog in him. Like, not in terms of playing guys that big. Like, we've seen him, I've seen him lock up guys on the perimeter, and he's incredible for a guy his size to be able to guard Trey Youngs and guys like that. But I've never, I've never seen him have to, what does he look like guarding, I don't know, Anthony Davis? Like, I have no, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I, and th- in theory, you would think he should be good. He's athletic. He's tall. He's been a great on-the-ball defender. But I've never actually seen it. Well, how does he do guarding Carlton Towns? He had not be doing that. He never had to do that. And with the Brooklyn Nets, that's what they're asking him to do. So it's a whole, it's an entirely different role. So, and, I, and, I, I, and I do have some doubts of whether or not he could be as effective in that. I don't, uh, maybe it's the first bold prediction. Like, Ben Simmons will not be an all-star this year. I don't think he's going to be whatever we've thought of him as a star player in this league. I just think that there's going to be a big adjustment this season. Well, I think Steve Nash sort of tipped us off to that this week when he was like, yeah, don't expect he's going to come back a little slower. And, you know, I think he's going to be a role player. Yeah, I think he's going to be a role player. Like, I think he's going to, he may average 10 points, 11 points, eight rebounds. I I think his his numbers are going to look very different than he's ever looked. Because of the guys he's playing with. And the yeah, other guys are going to be taking a million shots. So where's his shots coming from? Yeah. I mean, the thing with Ben is that, like, he, well, you said, I mean, he hasn't made the All-Star game before. But, like, his numbers have never, ever been, like, super good. Right, yeah. You know, no, like, no, he's no, been 15, a 16. 15 and 8. Yeah, 16 yeah. and 8. You kind of got, yeah. So, you know, I mean, 10 would be, a, that would be a big difference. But if he gets, like, 13, 14, you know, I think. He's still sort of getting his. I mean, that's the thing you're about the that league, from the man. Power, you're getting that from the power forward position. I don't know. Yeah. I just, that's just I, that's your point guard, and he's literally running the team. Like that's different. And, and maybe it's not as bad. And my thing is, look, if Kyrie's averaging 27 and Kevin Durant's averaging 30, like if he's averaging 14, like that's probably the whole. That's probably fine. But I'm just saying, like that ain't a hundred fifty million dollar player. What the hell he's making? He's making like well, 35 no. million a year. Like he's, he's not going to be like his production is not going to match what he's being paid this year. And that's what I think that, 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 I mean, you're right about that. And honestly, I think that the Nets shouldn't, they shouldn't think about that stuff. Like it's similar to to Andrew Wiggins. I agree with you. You know, similar to Andrew Wiggins where it's like, well, he's number one pick in the draft and you know, he's making all this money. Like he should be, he's got to be getting all the shots. Yeah. We got to run him. You got to run a lot of plays for him. And yeah, we got to run offense through this guy. Like sometimes the guy is just what he is. And so you gotta, so and and yeah, he may be getting paid thirty five million. And he's probably overpaid, but yeah, but it's like he what, has a like role on your team. It's like what I said about the Knicks. I've said a bunch of times about Evan Fournier, who I still can't believe is still starting. But like, there's this notion amongst I haven't. I we've heard a little bit from the Knicks beat writers who talk about the Knicks thinking, but it's been more of the fans, honestly. So I don't. I want to give the Knicks some bail there about the idea that you can't have just paid Evan Fournier, you know, 60 million over three years or something close to that. He's making 19, 20 million dollars a year and I'm come off the bench. And my thing has always been essentially what you're just saying is that once he's on your team, he's on your team. You just got to, he's got to match whatever is going to be best for your team. I don't care 
what he's making in comparison to the rest of the league. Like that doesn't matter. You don't worry anymore. about that in the offseason. That literally only matters the minute you're negotiating with him. Once he's signed, whatever you do with him is 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 now just about maximizing his value on your team. And in my opinion, sorry, Evan Fournier on this Knicks roster based on how they're constructed does not maximize his value on the Knicks. And that's kind of what – and my thing is they would be smart to put him on the bench because he would actually help them. And I think you're right in saying that with the Nets, they should view that same way with Simmons. They can't view him as, yo, we're going to try to treat him like he's a superstar. Like, right, they should – Right, the big three and we got to – Right, they should say, yo – which I think – you're right. I think it's what they're trying to do. But I guess there's my also problem a, is there's – a, There's a real – there's like a media part of it. There's a plan in New York. There's a – Playing with Katie and Kyrie and yeah. Ego, a big three, like we saw it with Russell Westbrook. Like, you know, Russ doing what he did last year, and I mean, it's I mean, really not that much different than what he's done in Washington and Houston. And people didn't care. Like, but you do it in LA playing with LeBron, and all of a sudden you're Westbrook every day. Right. And so, like, that 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 matters. And I that'll be the question with, 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 with Ben. Yeah, you're right. When we look at surprise teams in each of these conferences, who are some surprise teams that you that you, that you think about? Uh, teams that perhaps didn't make the playoffs last year, or teams that maybe did but didn't really do anything. Are the teams that you look at and say, okay, this team is a, is a major is a surprise team? I mean, I think I think we both agree that Cleveland will probably be a lot better than they were last year with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, and you know, just being healthier. Like they would have made the playoffs last year if. They were healthy. They just everybody just kind of fell apart at the wrong time. But are, are there other teams that that you see and say, okay, I think this team can make a leap? One of the teams that I'm really looking at, honestly, it could be, and you can tell me I'm crazy for saying this, but I, I kind of really like Portland's offseason. And interesting, I really think they could be a playoff team. I thought that Portland, they don't like. The whole thing was we're gonna retool over whatever Danny Ainge lied about with what he was gonna do with Donovan Mitchell is like actually what Portland did. Because <laughs> remember he said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna retool around Donovan Mitchell," which was BS. Like Portland said, we're gonna retool around Damian Lillard, which I think at the time we thought was BS, but we now know was real. We actually saw them try this, and I think the final product that they came up with is kind of what they need to be given their resources. Like, are they a change of team? Hell no, but. The biggest issue I had with Portland is they couldn't guard anybody, and their athletic profile was miserable. They had no athletes. They were slow, and they were small. When you look at them now, you can't say that. You add Jeremy Grant. I thought a great move to their front line. Jeremy Grant goes back to playing kind of more the role he played with Denver, which got him all that money when he went over to Detroit. I thought, you know, Josh Hart was a really good pickup in in coming back from the C.J. McCollum trade where you knew you had to break up the small backcourt. I love Anthony Simons. I'm not 100% sure what they're going to do with those two guys right now that they're playing to start them both. That scares me a little bit, but considering the other moves they made with Hart and Grant and re-signing Nurkic and bringing in Gary Payton II, who will lock up and will defend, and he may be small, but that guy can guard anybody. Like You kind of now look at their athletic profile. Of course, they drafted young Shaden Sharp, the freak athlete who didn't play at all. Uh, in college basketball last season. I, I really like what's going on there. And Damian Lillard's going to come back with something to prove. I, I'm going to say that, that Portland finds a way to get one. They're, they're at least a playing team. And I, I'm going to make the bull pitch and say that they find a way into the playoffs. 
there's not gonna be a whole lot of surprise teams this year. I think there's gonna be a lot of. We'll talk again about the the <laughs> tank race this year. Right. Uh, whoever whoever's in the play-in, <laughs> at least in that ten spot, probably doesn't even want to be in the play-in. They they kind of they probably yeah. backed themselves into it somehow. Um. Yeah, it's funny because we've seen that ten spot be very like coveted competitively. Yeah. yeah, it's been very competitive. People have wanted that ten spot. That will not be the case this year. I agree with that. Uh, I think Sacramento, like sort of by default, some of these teams, like I think Sacramento yeah. will be better. You know, it's funny. Um, the second mention of Mark Spears today, you and him both, because he said that Sacramento was a playoff team. Yeah, I mean Mark, I mean Mike, uh, Mike Brown, you know, in his what like third iteration as a head coach, probably been a little, little longer of a of a of a of a wait. You know, again, like Doc Rivers, you know, <laughs> not a job. He, he stayed having, having yeah, a job yeah, for the last no, 15 years. Yeah. Mike Brown's had to had to crawl his way back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, and, he, and the best he could do is Sacramento. I know. But yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, like Mike Brown, uh, you know, he's got himself an interesting team. I mean, you've got Fox and Sabonis, uh, you know, you, Keegan Murray. Uh, his, Murray you know, continues like to play baller, well. man. What did I tell yeah. you? I, I mean, I tried to tell you about Keegan Murray. You just didn't want to. You didn't want to believe me. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't yeah, want to. Keegan Murray could play. You didn't want to. You didn't want to take the. I kept telling you this guy has a lot of offensive talent, man. And I don't know who the hell the Sacramento's going to guard, but you put him with that supercharged offensive starting lineup, and they cooking with something. Yeah. And I didn't hate. I didn't hate them drafting him there, as much as other people did, because I didn't. I didn't get. I didn't get drafting Ivy. So it was like, right. You did. I mean, that. you know, uh, I was like, well, I mean, Ivy would. Yeah, been you were, you were, you were Shaden Sharp, I believe. Yeah, I, w- I would have. Yeah, I would have taken Shaden Sharp. Uh, we'll see. You know what that ends up being. Um, but Keegan Murray, I mean, in the early returns, seems to be the right pick, especially for a team that I think is actually trying to win now. Yes. And like, I, I think we'll see the fruits of that labor uh, come this season. Um, again, not going to be a hyper competitive playing tournament in terms of teams trying to make it. So, uh, I think they should be, they should be improved. Um, and it, it, like, again, slim pickings. I mean, I, a team that I would take a, you know, this might be a, a big stretch, but if they can stay healthy, which this team is never healthy, but I wonder about Orlando, um, Orlando. Orlando's, they gonna take themselves out of the Victor Remayama sweepstakes to to do something. I think I think they might because, like, what they're one of those teams that's in that spot now where it's like, I mean, yeah, look, Victor, we'll we'll get into Victor in a little bit, but he's like, what, what, like, they might feel like, well, we've got our guys, like, we just drafted Paolo, we think he could be a, a franchise player, we've got. You know, Franz, Franz Wagner, who, I mean, if you followed Eurobasket, looked like he's also he a franchise like a future, player. A future star, yeah. Yeah. You know, he looked like a guy that, I mean, he looked like a guy that might make the All-Star game this year. Mm. Uh, wink, wink. You may be talking about that a little bit. But, yeah. um, but but I mean, with with those two guys as, as centerpieces, you know, you've got Jalen Suggs back. We'll see if he can kind of bounce back from an up and down rookie season. Yeah, no, he's you he know. got hurt though. He's gonna be out for yeah. yeah he just he just had a he just tweaked his knee, so you know you you know not again not a great start to his sophomore campaign. But you no. still got obviously Cole Anthony, Marco Fultz back. Fultz, but Fultz uh, has a fractured toe, so he's gonna be out for a little bit too. Another yeah, guy again, hurt. 
I know the injuries with this team will, will they they're, ne- they're never gone. So I think that's that really is the big question with the, with these guys. I mean, Wendell Carter's solid, but Jonathan Isaac's um, been on the shelf for like five years. Yeah, I mean, what like I what mean, the we, hell is going on with that guy? Yeah, but I've I mean, never seen. I mean, this he's still doing he's still doing TV. Oh yeah, he, he's oh yeah, doing, he's still yeah he's still doing his Twitch and whatever the hell. TV. Yeah, whatever the hell he's doing. <laughs> Like he's still he's doing all that stuff. You got you got his Newsmax, uh, you know. Yeah, like, that Newsmax contract uh, is still is ironclad. He's still making those appearances, but I don't see this guy playing basketball. Like yeah. this is the uh, weirdest thing. This guy injured himself in the bubble. Yeah, in the bubble. Think about that. Think how long ago that was. Yeah, I don't like. It's it's like a contest between him and TJ Warren to see who could stay out <laughs> longer post bubble. That's crazy, um, yo. <laughs> I mean, look, I've never been as big a fan of Jonathan Isaac's game as you have, but I know I, I, mean, I really like Jonathan Isaac's game. But that's like a that. big. I mean, that's a big loss. Like if it's one of the best defensive yeah, know, he's forward a, in the he's game, he's a hellacious defensive player, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I mean, that, to not have him for almost two years now, it feels like is, I mean, it's a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, Orlando again. I, I mean, no one's expecting Orlando to, to to win at a high level. I, mean, I think them and Detroit are going to be like. Teams that probably aren't trying to lose 70 games this year. So with that being said, and there's a lot of teams in that race, they will, by default, probably be in the mix for a play-in spot. And once you're in the mix for a play-in spot, you're in the mix for the playoffs. I think if I had to take another, you're going to make me do it. I think the Knicks, uh, can, be a, I think the Knicks can be a surprise team in the East. I, yeah, I mean, they're another I, team, not trying yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, if I honest, I'm being I'm taking an honest assessment. Like, I think them and Washington are the teams I would probably look at and say, okay, teams that didn't make the playoffs, who could do something? Like, Washington, you know, a lot of it's going to hedge on whether or not Porzingis is healthy. I don't see it with Washington, man. It, it, they're not it was great. Long and hard at them, and I was like, I know. Nah, I but the, Beal just signed for a million years and a million dollars. No, way more than a billion dollars. No, way more than a million dollars. A million years and hundreds of millions of dollars. And they stuck with Porzingis now. Monty Morris is an upgrade at point guard, as sad as that may sound for them. <laughs> and I think Kyle Kuzma had a good season for them last year. I will give him. I think that he kind of now Caldwell Pope. I think was a little bit of a loss. They're replacing him with uh, Will Barton. I don't think they got the best part of that trade, but uh, I think the Knicks can really be. I think the Knicks are the team if you're looking for a surprise team in the East. To be honest, the team that didn't make the playoffs last year to maybe make some noise and make the playoffs again this year. Jalen Brunson just changes. He just changes life for them in regards to just like how they look offensively, even in these early preseason games. Um, the pace is faster. They have a guy who's now efficient and not turnover prone, which is two things you couldn't say about Julius Randle last year. And he was the guy who was doing a lot of the ball handling, a lot of the distributing. They had a guy who also can break down the defense, which you couldn't say about Kemba Walker last year, who, you know, as great as Kemba seems to be off the court, and we love Kemba as a New Yorker and what he's done for New York basketball, he just doesn't have it anymore. So I tried to bring warn in, you guys, man. I know you tried to warn me. I, yes, you is. You, I, I trust me. You deserve that because I gave you plenty of I told you so's on this show so far. So, yes, you were 100% right. <laughs> Kemba was cooked. But now with Jalen Brunson, the guy who's very, you know, body, you know, able-bodied and, 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 and definitely can, can score and can lead a team, I think that you're going to see a new Knicks team. I really do. I think that their team. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but I, I they they don't miss the plan this year. They're definitely going to be one of those teams fighting to get into the postseason. And I think you could be seeing uh, uh, a big year for R.J. Barrett, a guy who continues to 
improve as well. So they got to do some things with the roster. You know, they got players on the bench that should be playing a lot more, like topping in quickly. But then they still got guys like Rose and Randall. So this could be a very weird season. But if they figure that roster stuff out or if they just kind of kumbaya with everybody that they have, I think that they could end up being a playoff team. I really do. Um, but let's let's jump to that whole Victor Vimbanyama thing, Kendall, before we get to, like, all-stars for the season. Because you you saw the games. I saw the games last week. The whole world saw the games. Or anybody who cares about, and you know, the draft and the future of the NBA watched those games last week with Victor Vimbanyama playing against the G League at night, led by Scoot Henderson, another guy who, you know, i never seen a guy lock up the number two spot in the draft before, but that's pretty much what he did in those games. <laughs> I mean, we're coming into the season. You got people saying that Victor Wimbenyama, like Richard Jefferson said, you know, if Wimbenyama was entering the draft the same year LeBron entered the draft, that LeBron would go number two. You got people saying We've this guy never is, said that about anybody. Yes, we've not, we've not said that about anybody since LeBron. Yes. That, yeah. And, like, there are people, like, who don't think that that's wrong. Like, that's not. it's not like, oh, some yeah. guy said something crazy on ESPN. And, like, we're just going to ignore him. Or Breaking news. That, that, that happens but, every day. Yeah, right. Or we're going to tar and feather him for a day and then move on. Like, no, there are people who said that. And it's like, that is accurate. That makes sense. Like, I mean, I don't think there's been any doubt from you and I that Wimbanyama is the truth. I yeah, we, think, let's, let's, we've never, yeah. we've, I mean, I don't know if we've ever talked really about Victor on I feel like there was that, camera. Remember, the, remember those clips? Not on camera. I think, I feel like we did do on the podcast. Remember those clips when he was working out with Gobert. He yeah, we like joked about him a little bit. Yeah. I feel like we talked about him on this show then. We've we've been I mean we obviously, you know, we we we've been we we we've been tracking him for at least over a year because we we followed I feel longer, the, than, I feel longer than, the, than that. The FIBA. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've known who he was. I mean, yeah. I remember I remember playing playing 2K like 4 years ago and he was like he be he show up in your draft class like 7-3 and you're like what who is this kid from France? Yeah. But but like you know, I mean, he really jumped on the radar uh, watching the FIBA U19 World Cup yes. last year. Uh, and, and just obviously he was by far the best player in the world at that tournament. Um, that, you know, the USA team that Chet Holmgren and Jaden Ivey and, you know, Johnny Davis. And, and, and you know, don't forget my guy, Kenneth Lawson. Kenny lost him and did did not think he'd be in the league at this point when we were watching those games, but he is he is a Memphis really? Grizzly. Yeah, um, you know, so I mean, a, a plethora of NBA players on that team, and I mean, he made Chet look like a little kid. You know, he was by far the best player in that tournament, um, and I mean, we thought about doing a whole thing on 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 him at that point. We didn't, uh, but. I mean, I've had my takes in the in the holster since, uh, and I'm glad that the world got a chance to see. I, I mean, honestly, I want to give a quick shout out to ESPN, to the NBA, because I mean, they had, I mean, EJ knows I, I've given you the the spiel and the rant about how a couple years ago, about three four years ago, you know, four or five years ago, I should say at this point, Luka Doncic was coming up right. at Real Madrid. And everyone knew post Eurobasket, this guy is gonna be. He's. he's I, mean, I would. I, I would say he's gonna yeah. be the number one pick, and right. that didn't end up happening. You know, whatever for whatever reason. And, but like nobody, nobody knew who he was until like the Euro League Final Four, basically. Like until 
he was getting yeah, ready to honestly delete. like the fact that like they didn't like talk more about him might have been why a, he wasn't I think, might have been why yeah. he wasn't the number one pick we all got talking about bagging eight in that whole yeah, it was so stupid. ESPN, because look, I get it. Like ESPN's got rights to Pac-12 games. Yeah, yeah, we're watching Pac-12 games. games. They got the ACC games. They're watching. Yeah, watching. Yeah, it all makes sense. But, but like, I mean, like you said, that's a that's a real thing. Like, if Luca was playing on ESPN every night, and maybe not even just playing on ESPN every night, but if his highlights were on ESPN every night. Yeah, or that, they just show a game a month, like just like right. Like, you know, when Miami, they they show two games, like. Yes. There's a couple games of Lucas. And I mean, I watched I, I I watched plenty of Lucas games in it, you know, that season. Uh found however whatever means, uh you know, whatever that means on, on how how I've been able to find Spanish league basketball games. I I, I was watching <laughs> his games and it was spectacular stuff. And so I feel like other people obviously would have had the same reaction. But with that being said, give the NBA credit for highlighting these guys that you know, again, they're not gonna, we're not going to see much of Wimbanyama. Uh, actually, I think we will be seeing a lot of his highlights just because, I mean, the name now, he's a household name. Uh, same with Scoot. Uh, and, it, I mean, we, this is how it should be. Like, this is – it's only it only helps the league. Like, Luka coming into the NBA as with nobody really knowing who he was was not good for the league, seeing as how good he ended up being. Because with the amount of hype that he should have had, like, he – I mean, like, he would have been even – it would have been an even bigger deal. The way he 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 burst onto the scene, if the hype had been warranted, um, so yeah, with this guy, I mean, the hype is at a level that we've never seen. As much as, mm-hmm. again, you know, the Luke itself was great. Uh, Zion was crazy. Um, this is ahead of Zion. Is yeah. it warranted? Yeah. Yes. It's is warranted. the question? It's warranted. I I I, I, would I say think yes. so. I couldn't. I mean, it, like. I mean, in the, even in those two games, like I couldn't imagine him, that he would have played that good, like because that's just a hard spot to be in, you know. Like you've got two games on national TV to prove why you're the guy, and you come in and you you average thirty six in a two game stretch against you know at at at, at worst G League level guys, some guys NBA level guys. I mean that's that's as impressive just from a competitive temperament standpoint, as you're going to see. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I think it's warranted, man. Like, the way this guy moves on the court, the jump shot, the handle, the defense. I mean, I've, I've, we've never seen nothing like him. Nothing. And The comp I, I, I've had yeah. for over a year, and I, 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 I didn't want to give it for no reason. Um, but now that we're here and I, you know, I'm a little late to the party at this point, but the comp that I've had since watching that U19 FIBA game was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, like, I think that that's mm. the closest thing from a, from a skill set standpoint that we'll, we'll have ever seen. And this is, it's different than Kareem, obviously, but right. like, it's a different era of basketball. So I think yeah, be yeah, I, no, I, I kind of get that. Like, I, I was even thinking like Will Chamberlain. Like, you know, I think. Yeah. Like, you know, but Kareem's probably better because, like, you know, Will Chamberlain was like the super body type, strong, strong yeah. you know, and he probably is more of a body type similar to Kareem. But yeah, just, just again, nothing like we've ever seen. The guy that size, that fluid, that athletic, shoot that well, handle that well, <laughs> pass that well. Like, you know, if you like, he looks literally like a player that you made up in two K. Like yes, let's say like you took the Kevin Durant model and said, okay, I'm gonna make him seven foot three, 
and then make him an elite shot blocker. Like that's what pretty much we're watching. It's insane. Like, uh, is this this game is gonna the the amount of the and like shout out to the Kevin Durant the uh, I'm gonna even put Chris Porzingis in there. Um, the cats, you know, these guys, these seven footers, you know, and it goes back to even Dirk Whiskey, KG, of course, Tim Duncan. But shout out to these guys that have like shown what these big guys can do and the amount of skill of these guys can have so where these players can develop their skills to, to, to be someone like Victor. Like just like Victor would have been Mark Eaton 20 years ago, 30 years ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he, he wouldn't look nothing like that. If he would have saw that body and made him be something totally different. The fact that like him and his coaches and people around him like turned him into this like freakazoid is just a love letter to really to me to the history of the game. And it goes back to pillars like Clarima Dujabar. So I think that that um comparison is apropos and fair, I think, uh just with that. The yeah, way it's be crazy. I think that you're gonna see a lot of these teams tanking, man. Um a lot of these teams are the way Woj... saying... Sorry, I'll, I'll let you go. I was no, just gonna say that Yo, go ahead. Yeah, I, if you see the way Woj is talking, I mean, he's talking about, yeah, we're going to see tanking like we've never seen before. Like, when Woj is saying stuff like that, like, he's not saying it just to, just speaking out of, no, yeah, speaking he, out he, of, he knows what he's term. talking about. Yeah. People are telling him, like, yeah, we're going to lose games this year and we're going to do it in ways that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'll tell you right now Detroit, Indiana, Charlotte, Orlando, I'm going to hold on Washington, but if they get injuries, they're going to be there. Um, Oklahoma City, Utah. I think the Pacific yeah, might be the, the Pacific might be the only division that has – the Pacific and the Atlantic might be the only division that has, that comes into the season with five teams that are definitely trying to win. Every yeah. division has at least one. A lot of them have two because Houston and San Antonio ain't winning nothing. So yeah. – and – so I don't know how I must have named like eight teams just now. And then there are gonna be plenty of teams that are gonna realize for various reasons their best player gets hurt, something happens where they're like, All right, now I guess we're in it. And they're gonna start tanking. So I think yeah, this bold is gonna be this is probably be, not that bold. It, it could actually end up hurting some of these games because I think you may see some a lot of teams that just aren't really putting their best foot basketball. forward and it's gonna be some bad basketball. That's why I went I that's why I have to say it's gonna be a great season because it'll be interesting because we've never seen something like this before. But it's going to be a lot I of think bad the, I think the playoffs, and I think there will be aspects of it that are great because I think there are a lot of teams that can win course, the championship. Yeah. I think it's kind of yeah. like, it's honestly, like, it's a very, it's extremes on both sides. It's extremes where, like, you have, like, all these teams at the top where, like, no one is, like, clearly the favorite. So, therefore, a lot of teams are going to go for it. And then there are, like, a lot of teams that, at the bottom, some of these teams that aren't even at necessarily the bottom bottom that are going to say, yo, we need to get to the bottom because this guy is the real deal. And this guy is a bold, not so bold prediction is I think there's a very strong chance that we get whatever the worst record of all time is comes out of this season. Who, what team is that? It, do you think? What's, what's that? Charlotte, Charlotte from the Pearl Bobcats from 10 years well, ago. No, didn't the Nets went lose 70 games. In That's what it was. Like, there was 10 and 10 and 72, I believe. Yeah. They, I mean, they, was they, it the they, Bobcats during like the lockout year? So they had like the 70. worst win. Yeah, yeah, they had the, the worst, worst win percentage. They had the worst win percentage, but I think the Nets still also beat them for that. Because yeah, you're right. That Bobcats year was a it was a lockout year. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure even when even we go by win percentage or most losses, I think the Nets they got them both ways. That's how bad that Nets team was. Yeah. So uh, I yeah, mean, I mean, 
Yeah. The contenders are, are, are OKC and, and Utah. Yeah, well, OKC without Shea is dead on arrival. And, and Chet. And, and no Chet, too. Yeah, so, those, those yeah, those teams are kind of dead on like, arrival. I feel like Will Hardy arrival. being a first-year coach, I don't know. I think he'll have a little bit more pride to try and win some games. I think Houston's going to be a disaster. And I love a lot of the guys on their roster, but I just, they're not. They're not, they're I think not. Houston will be a disaster. I think they'll be trying to win games and they'll be a disaster. Yeah, you know they don't have they don't have to tank. They it's just, just they're. I mean, they, they got Jalen Green and Kevin Porter in the backcourt. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're that's a know, disaster. They're, 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 e, they're I mean, they're EYBL team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Josh Christopher and I tell you what, my man Tari Eason though. That's this guy yeah. was great. I've been trying yeah. to tell people. I was trying to tell you guys before the draft. I think the Spurs are gonna they're gonna regret drafting. Sohan over over Easton, he looks fantastic. Some people saying he should start over uh, over uh, Jabari Jabari Smith. So, but those are the best players. <laughs> like they don't have really. I mean, Eric Gordon's there. I think they're probably gonna try to offload him at some point. Like they don't have a lot of veterans. Like they could end up being a seventy loss team. Like I could definitely see that. <laughs> yeah, Nets Nets went twelve and seventy. Yeah, they're twelve and seventy. It was crazy. Twenty ten. Uh, Sixers also. Uh, uh, Sixers in twenty sixteen. Oh, yeah, that, yeah that, was the, that was the process. That was the beginning of the yeah. process. And uh, yeah, the Bobcats still hold the record in a lockout, seven and fifty nine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, we're gonna see some of that. We're gonna see some of that stuff this year. Okay, let's get through uh, some of these uh, questions we've always asked every year. So let's start with uh, new All Stars. So typically, we usually like to do two in East Conference, East and West. You know, you know the Oscar game. They don't play at East and West, but they do pick twelve players from each side. Um, if I had to say in the Eastern Conference, two new All Stars, I would pick uh, Evan Mobley as one, and I would pick I would pick RJ Barrett as two. Those would be my All Stars this year from the East. What do you think? Uh. I'm actually, I'm actually going to go out on a limb and mention I think Franz Wagner's got an outside chance of making the All Star game. Okay. Um, and then the guy I picked last year that I don't think made it but got pretty close, uh, I think Tyler Hero. Mm-hmm. That's a good pick. Hero's a good pick. Yeah, the Heat especially might be still really good, and I think and he got a lot of minutes last year, but I think he actually might play even more minutes this year. It sounds like he's gonna be in the starting lineup now. Yeah, I know he was begging to get that starting spot. So, and the older Drew Butler gets, the more I think he's not really trying in the regular season. So someone got to score. So yeah, I mean, you see his haircut. I don't. You don't look like a guy that's, that's very serious. Well, he cut off the locks finally, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, I I called him a dry down. Well, did he sign. did he did he cut him off or did he just take him off? Well. <laughs> There is that too. He claims that there were no extensions, but I find that hard to believe. Um, yeah, I was calling him Dry Dollar Sign because that's <laughs> it like a fake Ty Dollar Sign to me. In the West, ooh, the West is a little harder. I think. I think the East there are a lot of breakout candidates. I think you know Scotty Barnes. I think it's a breakout candidate too. There are plenty of guys you can kind of look at. In the West, Cade was another guy that you could. Yeah, Cade another guy. I, the Pistons look. I think I would have picked Cade if the Pistons didn't look so crazy in this preseason. Like they don't look like an NBA team right now. So, and they may figure it out second half of the season. They may be one of the teams that, like, it's out of it, but plays maybe better in the second half. But they're not ready right now. In the West, it's a little harder. But 
I'm going to say CJ McCollum finally makes it. That's, you know, long deserving and way overdue. He's probably the best player in the NBA that has not made an All-Star game, I would probably say, or at least definitely most accomplished. And so there needs to be another. Who's my second guy? Second, the West is hard. Like, again, like the, he was an obvious pick, but I think after that, you're kind of grasping at straws a little bit for that second person. I'm going to go... I'm gonna. I'm, it's a weird pick, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Mikael Bridges. Interesting. Him as a two. I mean, the guy had defensive player of the year uh, nods last year. I'm gonna say him as a two way player. He's really good. He's he's one of the most underrated players in the league. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Mikael Bridges. Those are my two picks. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards is a safe oh, that's one. A great one. Yeah, that's a safe one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a safe one. I mean, no guarantee, but uh, if he does make the leap, that you know they need him to make, then he should he should make the All Star game. Um, other we've got, like there's some guys that you know have have, have been in the mix, uh, like that have been in that category for years now. Like I mean, like Shea's never made it, right? You know, Shea's never made, made it. This he's year. Not, yeah, he's, he's not going to be playing for a while, so I don't think he's going to be. Aaron Fox has never made it. And Fox never made it. Jamal he's, Murray's he's never been made a consideration. It. Jamal Murray, that that's a good one as well. I think it's it's either the two that I would I would point to would be either Jordan Poole or mm-hmm. Desmond Bain. Oh, Bain's a go pick. Bain's a very sneaky yeah. pick, I think. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest Devin Bain guy. I know you're not. You're coming All-Star. around. You're finally coming to the dark side here. Look, I mean, you know, look, the, the All Star game. That's a that's a that's a vote. <laughs> you know, it's a popularity contest. So yeah, there's I mean, a lot of you know your people love have, me. A lot of it's got to be your team's got to have a lot of success, and you know, none of us pick Maxi. What's that oh. about? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I think Maxi's really good. I, I. I I don't like him ahead of the guys I picked. I mean, I think Mobley's a, I think he was almost a lock to be a second year all star. And I think RJ Bass better than Maxi. So I mean that's simple for me. Now, maybe the Sixers are better, so maybe that makes it a little trickier, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think Maxi's definitely he's definitely like again, he's in that Scotty Barnes. Like they're all kind of in that mix. Like they'll definitely be candidates, but I didn't I didn't I didn't pick him. Um it's funny. We went this whole podcast, and we gotta get some of this other stuff. But like, yeah, I was gonna, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say the one guy. I you know I don't want to leave out my guy. This would be a, a late career guy, but I wonder if Marcus Smart will get. I was some thinking looks. Marcus Smart too. Yeah, I thought about him as well. You know, he, he's a guy that's slowly but surely getting. Uh, he's getting the Draymond thing, where like you know you play. You play in the league long enough, and you you play that role like yeah. People don't yeah, really care what his stats are now. Yeah, you like, gotta get the acknowledgement at some point. Yeah, he could. I could see that. It's funny. Not that there's anybody that's seen that would be an all star, but it, I, isn't it interesting? We none of, we have not mentioned the Atlanta Hawks once today. I yeah, I wanted to. I mean, I didn't want to talk about them, but like when we were talking about surprise teams, I, I was looking at teams in the league, and I was like, oh, the Hawks. I mean, they, it wouldn't be a surprise team like they. They've been in the mix now for a couple I of years. Just, I still don't I got really know. To say about I really still don't know what to make of the Hawks. Like, you had the championship, or the Eastern Conference Finals run that I think people forget was a lot closer to an NBA Finals run than people remember. Like, Trey got hurt in that series. Now, now Giannis got hurt too, and they didn't take advantage of that. So it was a little bit of tip for that tear, but tip for tack tear. But they won Game One of that series. They won two games. Like, 
I think we all realized it was a little fluky, but it was almost fluky. It was almost super fluky. They almost literally went to the NBA Finals. And then last year, they were not one of the top eight teams, but they did find a way to get into the playoffs. But then they went against the Heat, and they just they just melted under that defense. They melted under that that Miami Heat, literally. So they bring in Jonte Murray. I just don't. I'm not as a fan of that fit as other people are. I, the reason why I didn't mention the Hawks, I don't think the Hawks really improved this year. I don't think that he they. I don't think that Dante Dante Murray makes them that much of a better team because I don't. Again, it kind of it's almost like my Ben Simmons thing. Like, what's his value at the two? I do think that there's, like, you know, my like dream, my pet project was to put Trey Young in a backcourt with Tyree Talbert. I thought that that would have been literally the perfect backcourt, maybe for Trey Young. And this is like kind of a version of that, but the fact that Murray can't shoot or doesn't shoot the ball well enough kind of doesn't make it as exciting. Like I like the idea that Trey will get to play off the ball more. And I love that Murray is a pit bull and that he can guard maybe the really tough point guards if you're in a situation where, you know, you don't want Trey guarding them. But offensively, I just I don't I don't love this fit. You got Hunter and Collins and then Capello's a non shooter next to Trey Young. So they got I feel like another trade's in there. I don't think this is gonna be the team that's playing in the postseason or in the playing wherever the hell they are. Yeah, I mean, John Collins has been in trade rumors pretty much since he's been in the league. Uh, I know. Yeah. And so, you know, he feels like a guy that could at some point be moved. Um, he feels like DeAndre Aiden East, where it's just like. Yeah. Oh, like they, well, that's interesting, right? I mean, <laughs> maybe those guys get, get swapped at some point. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, I mean they're 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 an interesting they're an interesting team because they've got a mishmash of like guys that like you know plus then you've got young guys that they're gonna want to play. Jalen Johnson's now going into year two. He get more run. Mm-hmm. You know you've got you know you know Hunter is a guy that uh you know as, as hopefully he can start was, to get more it healthy. It was pretty it was pretty bold of them to trade Herder knowing Hunter always gets hurt. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But like, you, you also draft A.J. Griffin, who also feels well, like he's always going to be hurt. He gets but, hurt a lot, too. So. But, and he's 19. But you hope that, yeah. But if they're bullish on him, I mean, I'm bullish on, on I know you like Griffin. him a lot. Yep. Uh, so, you know, if he's healthy, I think he's a guy who could play for them. So, I mean, they, they you know, you got a Yeko Okongu, you know, coming back, and hopefully he's, he's healthy. Pick. And, yeah, top six pick. You know, they need him to, to, to sort of play up to that to that draft status so yeah i mean they're they're a weird team i you know they're not the contender that people thought they were heading into last season uh but they're also they also should be a playoff team you know i think you know i mean that 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 wasn't necessarily the case times last year but um but when you get yeah i mean i agree but i just to me and when i look at them i that's why I say they should be better, but I don't. I just don't know how much better they get. Like, do I think they finish ahead of Philly? No. Miami? No. Boston? No. Uh, Brooklyn? No. Milwaukee? No. I mean, I've already named like six teams, so now we're back yeah. in the seven. I didn't even mention Cleveland in that. Like, I like. 
the East is really tough. That let me also make let me also preface that. Like the Hawks are a decent team and they've made some moves, but the East is really tough. So when we talk about they're gonna make they're gonna they're a much better team when they've made this I'm not saying you, but anybody talking about that. Like it's like, all right, who they were the eighth seed last year. Where are they moving up to? Because Cleveland, most people think moved up ahead of them. And they didn't make the yes. playoffs last year. So who were they who were they bumping? I mean, Chicago seems like a, a very good pick potentially. Ball's gone. Um but they still got. I mean, they still got good players. They still got the Rose and they signed Levine. Like they're not like a terrible team. Like they're gonna maybe maybe they're not. Maybe they are a playing team as opposed to a playoff team. But they seem to still be there. Like I don't know. Uh, the Hawks. There was a lot of excitement for the Hawks when that trade was made, and I just think it's interesting that like the auction in the room kind of emptied because of so many other things that happened after that trade was made. That I don't think people remember that the Hawks were supposed to be a team that was going for it all. They traded three first round picks for John to John T. Murray. Yeah. I mean, we forget that. Yeah, they they, so they, I just, really they just needed a mention, I thought, because otherwise he would have been forgotten. Coaches on the hot seat, Kendall. Who's the first coach you'd be looking at that would be uh that'll be uh potentially getting the pink slip right now? Uh this one's kind of unfair because this is a guy that's probably looking back and saying, "Well, I never even got a real, real shot to coach shot. this team." Um, but, but I, I, you know, I look at Oklahoma City. Uh, I want to, I want to say Mark Dagonal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's lucky he, he he still had a job after that loss to Memphis last year, where they almost they lost by like eighty or whatever it was. Yeah, I know, right? Um, Although I mean, Sam Presti probably gave him a bonus, uh, probably gave him the Stephen Ross, hundred <laughs> K after losing that one because he was like, "Good job." <laughs> doing, doing, thanks, thanks doing for you, thanks for securing us chat homeroom with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, he's been a good soldier. So it's kind of like the Brett Brown thing, where maybe he gets an extension or he gets a a, a pass because of the acknowledgement of where they're at. But I think he's. He comes in on a hot seat, you know. Stephen Silas, another one in a in a rough spot where you know he's never had yeah, a real shot. I feel so bad. It's for only year Silas. two, yeah. But uh, but but Silas is in a weird spot, and I think he's on a hot seat. Um, but in terms of guys that like are on teams that are you know gonna, supposed to try and win something, uh, I mean you know Nash goes without saying. I won't even bring up Nash, right? You know? Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be the star players of Open League. He's definitely campaign to get him. Get him out of there, um, and I'm sure you'll you'll touch on Thibodeau, but right, but I but I think I think Dwayne Casey in Detroit is on a hot seat. Um, I think if Detroit is not good, I think they'll have a new coach. They, I agree. Be a very that. coveted job. You know they've yeah. got you know uh, a one a 1A superstar kind of young player. And Dwayne Casey, he almost feels like the guy that gets him to the guy. Like he don't feel yes. like the long term answer there. Yes. And they, they haven't they he won forty one games his first year. They haven't won more than twenty three games since. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I mean, one of those years one of those years was a lockout, was a you know, COVID year, but right. there was only ten games left in the season. So Were they, they, they would have had, they would've had, they would've had to go ten and zero to get the thirty wins that season. So I don't think they were getting yeah. thirty that year either. And so yeah, so so those are those are the the main guys that I would say uh, are are probably on the outside looking in, heading into next season. 
I'm always curious about these guys that are like a couple years in who could be quick outsters. The guy that keeps, and it would kind of be sad because of the history of the name and the organization. <laughs> I'm looking at West Cell yeah, Jr. Yeah. in his second yeah. year even. And like the Wizards thought they could compete last year, and they didn't compete. They got worse. They fell they off. Did. Like they started. Even, they started even though they well. lost, yeah, they started well. Even though they lost Russell Westbrook, they thought that was a, a, a addition by subtraction. It wasn't. They they still were a worse team, and I think they still want to win this year. And like you said, like they that might turn ugly really fast. That sucks. Cause West Unsell Jr. did a really good job in Denver with Mike Malone, and he's West Unselled. Like yeah, that would be really sad if Washington got rid of him in year two. But I don't know, something about that situation kind of, it, it makes me kind of just kind of, I'm always looking at the teams that the roster ain't as good as the team's expectations. And that those coaches to me are always in danger regardless of how many years they've been there. So that's why he jumped out at me immediately. So when I would say that's something I would be careful for. I think Nate McMillan might be on a hotter seat than people think. I just talked about the Hawks and people... Mm feeling like they could be uh, a team that could be much better. And I'm saying I don't really know if I see an avenue for them. And, again, it's a thing where it's like it, it might not be his fault or it might not be really, you know, much. But when I look at the roster and I see the expectations, if they don't match. And sometimes that usually means the coach is the guy that gets the ax. So I look at maybe Nate McMillan as someone who may uh, get fired because of that, even though he did a tremendous job taking over the year before to take them on that Eastern Conference Finals run. I think those are some of the guys. I think all the other guys you mentioned, I agree with. I think if things get really bad with Tom Thibodeau, they're going to have to find a fall guy in New York. So as long as they're doing decent, he's not on the hot seat. But if things fall apart, like completely, they're going to be scrambling to blame somebody. So they're going. So he's going to have to be the fall guy if that happened. So Leon Rose, the president of Knicks, loves him. So it's not going to necessarily be – he wouldn't be the first guy, I think, to go. But – I would look out if things get really rocky in New York fast. Yeah, Jay Wright, watch. Make a move. Yeah, I think that you move on to people like Jay Wright and things like that. I think we pretty much named a lot of the guys. I think, you know, Rick Carlisle, I think it's safe, you know, in a, in a, in a you know, tanking year. Here's a weird one. And I almost don't want to say it because that might sound ridiculous. And we talk, we didn't mention Doc, but Doc's an obvious one as well. Yeah. But I didn't know where you're going. I don't know. This one is, is really outside of the box. Is, is Monty? I know. That's what I thought you were going. Yeah. Is Monty Williams on the hot seat? Like, he's not on the hot seat yet. But, like, if they let's say they win, like, 40 games, like, you know, and they're, like, well, a seven I, seed I, and I, they Monty, get bounced. Well, here's the thing about Monty. I think that Monty would be in a situation where I don't necessarily feel like he's in the hot seat for, like, the regular season. Performing. Yeah. I, I don't I even think the regular season. I think that he's going to finish the season. But I think if there's, like, a first-round exit in the playoffs – Kind of like, like DeAndre, it's like, like him or Aiden. Yeah, and, and, and Aiden's like, you know, ready to, you know, snuff him in the locker room or something like that. Like, or even if there's just a feeling that there's just a strife that something has to be changed, he could be a casualty of that. I don't think, I don't think that that's crazy. I don't. And that sound, I know it sounds sad because I think we based all love Monty Williams. The year before. Yeah, based on the year before and just based on him as a human. Like, he just, like, he seems like a great man. He's a really good at his job. You would hope that he doesn't get fired. But. The circumstances around him feel very tenuous, and when things feel that rocky, that's where things could change quickly. I also wonder about Billy Donovan. I kind of kept cross, I kind of kept looking at his name, then moving on, and I kept going back to Billy. This is Billy's, I believe, his third year with Chicago. 
if yes. Chicago does take a big step back, maybe there's a problem there. I don't I don't know. I I never have a good feel. I never have a good feel for Jerry Ryan's off what he's going to do. I never do. I always think he's going to do one thing and they do something different. So, I don't know what he thinks or what he would feel about that. I don't think he should panic over that cuz I think that they kind of like they signed up for they signed up for being this kind of team, a team that kind of had one shot at being maybe a team that can get to the conference finals and then probably seeing a decline. So I would hope that he wouldn't just blame Billy for that. But he's a billionaire owner, and these people aren't necessarily the most rational people when it comes to their their toy things, which is what these NBA franchises are to them. So I think those are the teams. I don't see any. I don't think I don't see any one and done guys. Uh, the one and done guys would be Hardy, Mike Brown, Darvin Ham, yeah. and Missoula Missoula. wouldn't really count. No, yeah, I, I think Missoula might interim. get one year. Yeah, I mean, but. if he's one year, yeah, that might not. Yeah, I'm not really counting him there. I think Darvin Ham is safe. I don't think that they're going to change the coach after one year with the Lakers. They've already been through too much strife. Um, I think Mike Brown is actually going to do a decent job, like you said. So I would agree with you there. So I think he'll be safe. And, I mean, Hardy's untouchable. He's not. Angel's not, yeah, Angel's yeah. not, getting, Angel's not getting rid of his boy. Um, okay. We're at the end of the show here. So MVP pick. Who are you going with? Uh... MVP, man. I mean, Luca. Luca's been the the the, the odds-on preseason favorite feel like for like three years now. Uh, every year, I mean, like whenever he plays in the Olympics or EuroBasket, you feel like, yeah, this guy's definitely going to MVP. But I just like I don't know if he has the the conditioning, you know, and the endurance to to play at an MVP level for an entire season. So. I'm not gonna jump on the Luca bandwagon, although I think that Dallas is a legitimate contender in the West. Um, I'll go. Hmm. Uh, I'm torn between two dark horses. I mean, there's there's guys like Giannis and Jokic, or whatever, but I think Morant mm, and Tatum okay. both have shots. Uh, I don't want to be a homer. And say Jason Tatum, uh, so I'll say John Morant wins okay. MVP. If the Grizzlies get the one seed, I think he wins MVP. Mm. I I thought Giannis should have won it last year, and I think he'll win it this year. I think again, yeah, I think this is the last stand for the Milwaukee Bucks. But my dark horse is Zion Williamson. I think. <laughs> If the Pelicans, I, I'm I'm really high on the Pelicans this year, and he's another one. I just I can't. I don't the, know if I buy the conditioning. Interesting. He's the and missing the piece. And when last time he played real basketball, like his numbers were ridiculous. If he puts oh, yeah, up those he's, same. He's, really, he's like he's the best scorer in the league. Yeah, if he puts up those same numbers on a team that wins fifty games, fifty five games, he's an MVP candidate. It's not even a conversation. Yes. So why? If he's in better shape and better conditioning, that I, why would he not be able to do that now? Other than just being rusty, I don't know. I couldn't give you an answer. Other than he's just not as good as I thought he is. So I'll say Giannis, but I'm gonna keep keep this clip. People, Zion Williamson, dark horse pick for MVP this year. Who comes out of the East, Kendall? Uh. Well, I got to ride with the Celtics. I don't really oh, have much of a choice. He's going to do it. 
You know, now that see, I can do it now when we it's like the, it's like me with the San Francisco Giants. Like when we're when we make the 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 finals, well now I can jump on the bandwagon. You know, <laughs> like I, I didn't want to do now, it. I now your now your fandom can, now your fandom can permeate into your analysis because they actually yeah, are yeah are it's a like, contending team. Okay, if you ask me why, I'll say I mean, look, you watched the you watched the playoffs last year. I mean, you know, but no, I mean I think the Celtics team. You know, I think Tatum has a really big year because, uh, I mean, big storyline. We can talk all about Udoka and, you know, that obviously will be a, be a storyline. But another big storyline is going to be Jason Tatum, you know, sort of, you know, comeback from. Redemption, yeah. Yeah, redemption from, from the NBA Finals. Yeah, he did uh, not play well. You know, it's one of the most embarrassing moments of, of his basketball life. Probably the most embarrassing moment in his basketball life, and so, uh, and this is a guy that's obviously excelled at pretty much every level, you know, every year of his basketball life since he's ten years old. So yeah, um, so I mean, I I, I think that he's gonna play with with uh, a level of focus. Uh, I think Jalen Brown will also, you know, he's a guy that's heading into free agency soon and is trying to kind of plant his flag and mark his line, draw his line in the sand that he's a a superstar player, so I think he's going to have another big year as well. Um, and I think this is a team that, even though they lose the coach, there's a lot of continuity. So I don't know if it'll affect them as much as it would if there were all these moving pieces, moving parts, and you're trying to melt all that, and then you bring in a coach at the last minute. Um, so things should be fairly seamless despite the change. So I'm going to say the Boston Celtics. I know I've talked a lot about the Bucks all ye- all this whole show. But I think that age is going to catch up to them in the playoffs. I think they may have a great regular season, but I don't think they'll win the East come playoff time. I'm going to go with Philly. I think uh, Philly. Yuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan. I thought I would take pride in taking Philly. But, though, the options are the Heat and the Celtics and the Nets. So, it's <laughs> not great options here. But, and the Cavs even, if you're talking about Donovan Mitchell. So, again, not options really much. Not great options anywhere. But I, I think the Sixers, I think the Sixers, I saw, I don't know what happened to P.J. Tucker today. I think he went down with an ankle, so that, that kind of was bad omen already. But it just feels like the Sixers have to do it now. If they, they Like the Bucks, they've already done it. I think they feel like this is the last time. But the Sixers, it feels like if they don't do it now, then like I don't like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Like I don't, like they're really going to have to really reevaluate a lot of things. Like, Harden's now signed long term, or at least for a couple of years, and Tobias Harris is still in the roster. How do you deal with that? It just feels like they kind of have to do it now, and I think, I think they would have been a much more formidable out in the playoffs last season had it not been for MB breaking his face the way he did against, uh, the way he did against uh, you know Toronto, because the way he, they played in that early series when he was healthy, they looked fantastic. They looked fantastic. I don't care what the hell James Harden looked like as a team. They were kicking the hell out of uh, the Toronto Raptors. So I, I think Philly is serious. I think that you'll see Maxi continue to improve. I think Embiid still having not won the MVP. He still has a chip on his shoulder. And I think that Tucker can stay healthy. That's a little bit of veteran guile that they'll definitely need. A little bit of an edge that that locker room certainly needed. And I'm going to say that they get it done. I also I am looking forward to seeing my guy Paul Reed get some run this year finally. I don't know if he will. I know they got Harrow in there, but if if if, if my guy Paul Reed can get some run, I don't know why. Every time he plays, he looks good, but and then he kills it in the G League. 
I'm gonna say that some he finds a way into the rotation. You know, they got a good team. They got a good team. They probably need a they need a bench scorer. They gotta figure they might be a they gotta have to be a trade somewhere at the trade deadline to find a bench scorer. But I'm gonna go with Philly to come out of the East this year. Who you got coming out of the West? Uh, coming out of the West, I'll. Hmm. Man, I'm actually gonna ride with. For now, I'm actually gonna ride with the Dallas Mavericks. Wow, I know that's a bold take, and I know I didn't pick Luca to win the to win MVP, mm-hmm. but. I think this is a team that will not take as far of a drop as people think. You know, you lose Brunson for nothing, and, and that's a hit. And, you know, you're asking Frank Nilakina to play real minutes at the at the guard spot, and that's a red flag. Um, yeah, they're already looking to sign Compasso, so that's not good. Yeah. They, they did sign him, actually. If they did, yeah, they were yeah. about to. Yeah, I mean, I actually I actually like the Compasso move. I really uh, like that move. I couldn't believe he was still a free agent. I was like, yeah, I was kind of like, nobody, oh. nobody wanted this guy. Um, he'll, you know, I, I think JJ Bray is still on staff, so I'm sure, you know, he'll <laughs> those guys can, can, guy can trade notes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and so, but no, I think that this is a team that I, I think one of the key guys for them is going to be Reggie Bullock playing better. Um, you know, yeah, he, he, didn't, he had a bad regular season, but a really good postseason. Yeah, you know, if if, if Bullock can 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 play consistent. Uh, if, if if Tim Hardaway can stay healthy, you know I, I think a rookie Jaden Hardy is going to be. He's a they're going to give season. him a shot. They're giving him yeah. a shot, and they're going to need him, and and he fits perfectly with what they need. So, uh, I, I you know I think this team and I think the Christian Wood move, uh, is going to end up paying real dividends for them. So I, I think Dallas, there's no dominant team. Right now, and you, the only thing that scares you is, you know, can a team that is so, like, so centered around one guy win in today's NBA like yeah. that? But they defend at a really high level. I think Spencer Dinwiddie's also going to have a really big year. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it, it'll be tight, and I think there's plenty of teams that, that, that could win it. Uh, then I, I wouldn't be shocked, but right now, I think, I think Luka. I think Luca and the Dallas Mavericks uh, come out of the West. West is tough. Um, to me, the teams I look at: the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans. I do put them in that thing for me. Mm. Those are the three teams I look at right now. Wow. The Clippers. Bullish. The Clippers. I just don't. I, I. I just. I can't. I'm not saying making any proclamation on the Clippers, so I know what Kawhi Leonard is. Because if he's not Kawhi Leonard, then they're not a championship contender. So it's just like they're just TBD. You know, they could be interesting, but I don't know yet. Uh, I don't. I'm not someone who thinks that there's some Laker resurgence that's around the corner. I think they could maybe, maybe make the playoffs. Maybe if Anthony Davis stays healthy, but and maybe I think they'll certainly make the play. And I don't think they'll miss the play again this year. But they're not a real playoff team. I've loved Denver's talent, but. I, they need to be healthy, and I think they need to be a year removed from all those surgeries. I think for me to take them seriously, I'm not as high on Minnesota as a as a you know team with depth that that you needed to get to a title run. I look at those three teams. I look at teams that those teams have depth. 
They have multiple ways they can beat you. Um, and they don't rely on just one guy. You know, maybe Memphis, you could argue maybe they do, but Brooks and Bain, those guys, when they're healthy, those guys can really ball. I'm gonna say it's I'm a, I'm a gonna I'm gonna say it's the Pelicans. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go that crazy. Oh I'm gonna man, say the Pelicans come out of the West. We gotta get our your brother Henry on here, I know. man. I'm gonna say the Pelicans come out of the West. <laughs> Look, the backcourt is stellar with McCollum and Ingram, and they got one of the best defenders in the league in Herb Jones playing the perimeter, uh, guarding other team's best player, and then I think I think Zion's I I think he's just a guy people forgot about, and when you think about what he brings to the table to a team that already really seemed to find itself last year. They have depth on the bench with Alvarado, Murphy, Graham, Nance, Jackson. They Hayes. could be this year's Celtics. Yeah. In many ways. They absolutely could. They like absolutely they've been could. sort of knocking on the door. Like they're not they haven't had like the long playoff runs and stuff, but they've had they've they, I feel like similar to the Celtics, like the Celtics went through they went through tur- turmoil and Long playoff runs and controversies and change for five or six years. And I think all that hardened those guys to the point now where that playoff run wasn't difficult. And I think the Pelicans, while they don't have the playoff seasoning that that the Celtics had, like I feel like they've they've kind of gone through the wars of not necessarily the playoffs, but just of like Zion not being there and Zion being yeah, gone. Yeah, they, they've been to a lot now, no question. You know, and all that. And I think that 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 hardens a, a, a team. In and it that. feels like these other teams are going through the ringer where the Pelicans are coming out of the ringer. The Warriors yeah. are going through the ringer. The Suns are going through the ringer. The Nuggets, they're going through the ringer because these guys are coming back from injury. Like, the, the Pelicans are coming out of the ringer. Like, they went through yeah. their hard times and stuff. And now they have a team flush with talent and a 27-point score just being added to the lineup. To team yeah, I really almost, like Willie Green. And Willie Green, I think, is a real coach too. Exactly. So... It sounds insane, maybe, to some people listening. But I just, I think that, like, the Pelicans are going to, I, I, I think they win the division. I think they, they very well could win the division. I think that them and the Grizzlies are going to fight tooth and nail. And to me, I, I just don't think the Warriors are going to get back. I, I couldn't pick them. So when I'm looking at the Grizzlies and Pelicans, as crazy as it sounds, like, as much as we talk about relying on Zion's health, I think Ja's health is something you got to question mark it, too. Like, for sure. Like, like Ja didn't finish the season last year, and he had multiple stretches last year. He was out for a long amount of time. He plays a very exciting but very dangerous brand of basketball. Like, I couldn't convince myself that he was going to be healthy for 82 games in a whole postseason when I was going to pick the Grizzlies. So when I look back, I said, all right, well, if I'm not taking the Warriors, I'm not, not touching the Clippers. I'm not touching the Nuggets. That was the team that I landed on. I'm not touching the Suns. So... The Pelicans were the last team that was there, so that's my pick. So the NBA champions, I have the Sixers. I think I think that Gross. I think sorry, man. I know it's, you're really upset about this, but I think it's in, <laughs> I think it's in B's year. I think that uh, it just feels like a lot of guys that are kind of just due. Tobias Harris is due. Harden's due. Doc is due. Like again, these guys don't get it done now. Then it's like just get out of my face. <laughs> I know that's probably the most like. Uh, unexciting or uninspiring pick for a finals champion. It's like, if you don't do it now, get out of my face. That's, but, like, honestly, that's kind of how I feel. I think, honestly, that's how they feel. They're like, yo, man, like, what are we doing? Like, they've never even been to a conference finals with this group. That's, like, that's pathetic. Like, they got too much talent 
to be a first round, second round team. I think they find a way to get it done this year. Uh I'm going with I'm going with the Celtics. Uh oh my god. Ben, oh, super bold, you know, going out on a limb. No, I know we're all shocked, but no, I think so, that so the Joe Celtics... Zula, he, well, he's gonna be uh he's gonna be the, the Paul Westhead. And he's gonna lead them uh, all in the championship. There's gonna be a Pat Riley on the assistant staff that's gonna, you know, spear oh, man. She steer the ship and help steer him steer the ship to to the championship. Yeah, no. This is this is so this is gonna be so bizarre, man. I, I, I still wish Brad would have come down and coached for a year, but uh Clearly, he wanted nothing to do with that. So we're, we're we we got Missoula. Um, we're gonna give him a shot with a championship ready team, and we'll see. But no, I think that this 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 falls a lot more on the roster than it does on the on the coach. And I think this is a this is a team with with a lot of with a lot of ability. I think it's really is gonna come down to the health of Robert Williams. You know, if he comes back and he's fully healthy, I mean, this is this was a hellacious defensive team last year, and. Obviously, Udoka's not there, but uh, from what I from what we've heard, it sounds like Missoula was sort of their defensive coordinator in many ways. So um, defense should still be so it should still play at a high level. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this Celtics team gets it done. Uh, but again, this is a really wide open season. Um, yeah, it's a very wide open season. Could be a number of teams. Uh, it's it's funny when you brought up uh, this being Embiid's year. Another another non NBA storyline is uh, whether Embiid's going to play for Team USA or, or France in the Olympics. Yeah, so he no, just that's got thing. He, he just got citizenship. And I wonder if because for the longest time it looked like he was going to play for France and that was a done deal. But I wonder if the Victor emergence in the last like two weeks has shifted his plans. Like I wonder if he's like. I wonder if Team France maybe is like, oh, we really don't need you since we've got yeah, Gobert. France has said, yeah, France has said that they definitely want him, but I almost feel like maybe yeah. more on B, where he's like, I don't want to be playing with this other seven foot three guy. Like, right, two other seven foot three. Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. There's another guy on the team that that's an all star. He probably doesn't really love him. I mean, nobody seen, and it, for some reason nobody in the NBA seems to really respect Rudy Gobert. Yeah, so, I'm sure he's not his favorite player in the league. So now the big like, men in the NBA have a weird like that. They they've got like a weird thing where they, I don't they, know they if they like each other. Yeah, it's very weird. But they I think it's kind of I think it's kind of I, always been well, like that. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of I feel like it was always been like that. Like the last time I feel like there was this big man renaissance in the nineties. Like, I mean, Shaq is super petty, but he always seemed to have issues with David Robinson and Patrick Ewing, and you know. But then at the same time, there was like the friendly rivalries of Ewing and Morning. You know, they were in a, a very intense team rivalry. Those guys. Had more friendly rivalry, uh, and then Ewing and Elijah Wan. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There is something weird. Like the cat and Jokic is, is weird. the one like that doesn't have too many beefs, but, but yeah. I mean, but then like everybody seems to be very open to talk about how he doesn't deserve to be MVP, including his own yeah. fellow big man. Now I know obviously Embiid is the other candidate, so maybe that's why he feels comfortable saying he should be MVP. But yeah, yeah, you're right. There's something. There's something weird there. I don't know what it is. It's just competition, you know. I don't mind it. I like it. These guys want to be the best. And real, real quick, yeah. What's the list of players that would be trade that would be available in a trade for Wembenyama? 
or rather wouldn't be available. And they traded for Victor Wembanyama. Who are the guys that are untouchable even with Victor Wembanyama was available? You're talking yes. about Victor Wembanyama, like if someone saying this said, like, we'll give you. We no won the pick. lottery. We'll give yeah. you no one pick if you give us this guy. And like, yeah. And like nothing, like nothing else. Nothing extra. That. Of course, you got that salary. You got my salary, but yeah, let's just right. take that out of consideration. Um, Luca, Giannis. Yes, Luca and Giannis. I would agree with those two. I, think, I, I don't. I don't think Philly trades Embiid. It might be stupid, but I don't think they trade Embiid. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Philly trades Embiid. I don't think Boston trades Tatum. I don't think so either. Like that might, that, might be, that also certain... might be that also might be stupid, but I don't think they would either. All right, Memphis wouldn't trade Morant. I paused when I thought about Memphis. I don't know about that. Memphis seems like a kind of weird front office that might do something crazy like that, but yeah. He just means too much to the city. He means a lot to the city, yeah. The list is short, though. I mean, the we're, we're kind of getting to the end of the list. With some yeah, and we're really getting to that. ones where we're like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, we're talking about guys who are going to be all NBA first team. And like, Jokic. I don't know. You didn't mention Jokic. Jokic is, is, yeah, they're not trading Jokic. I think, the yeah, especially because you got two guys that are five men. Like, they're not going to trade an elite five men now for a guy who's a five man for the future. I, I mean, honestly, I think that's it. Like, I think, like, I think Minnesota trades Cat. I think. Oh, yeah. Yo, they've run him to the airport. Yeah, I think the Lakers trade LeBron. I think the Lakers trade AD. I think they'd trade both of yes. those guys if they could have gotten with 50 women. I, don't... I mean, I think they'd want to. Now, could some other forces stop Palinka from doing it? Like, maybe, but I think they would do it if, like, if Palinka really got to run the show the way he wanted to. I think Nets trade KD. Uh, I think Zion gets traded. The best thing for the NBA would be because of his health would be for a team that's not tanking to get Wimbanyama. That's like, like the, not like Wimbanyama is so good that it's gonna suck that he's gonna go to a team that like nobody cares about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I really wish there were like, like I don't wish the Knicks were bad because <laughs> I want them to be good, but I I kind of wish like the Knicks and Lakers were like bad or like the Heat were bad. So like. One of these, like, really premier franchises, like, had a shot at Vimbayama. Yeah, like, I mean, we really had great. we had that stretch where, like, all those franchises were bad. Were bad. Like, Celtics yeah, and Sixers and Lakers, you know, and Knicks. Like, these teams were drafting in the yeah. top five every year. and But there weren't many. They We had guys that people yeah, were they, propping they up. They never really got the number one pick, and they never really cashed in on the picks that they got. Yeah, like, these, these name the guys. Yeah, yeah, like Russell and, and Ingram and... Okafor and these guys and B yeah. and Simmons yeah. were kind of Porzingis, one of the only Porzingis and, and yeah, Porzingis. like the Celtics guys hit and Brown and Tatum but yeah. like yeah a lot of those guys didn't necessarily hit and Watch, he's gonna go to the Spurs and we're gonna be like oh great most boring team gets the best player yeah he's gonna go to Utah and it's gonna be all oh, another French guy in Utah like I tell you what, man. If you talk about the the lottery being raised and stuff, which is something you always talk about, oh, like, yeah. if that I, is the case. Like, San Antonio is, like, definitely the team that they would pick. If we're thinking of the teams that will probably be at the bottom. Yeah. Like, they're not going to reward Utah for that BS they pulled. They're not going to. No. Uh, Oklahoma not, City would not be rewarded. They're not, they're not Oklahoma City's been tanking too much. They're not going to give it to Oklahoma City. Like, San Antonio, like, yeah, they're tanking, but, like, they tried to win for years. And probably to their detriment. Out of spite, yeah. 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 So now, Okay. We respect your organization. We respect your coach. Like, you've, you've shown that we're given an elite talent or a given 
a generational talent that you won't screw it up. So, yes, we'll give this to you. And they're kind of a sneaky relocation uh, target. Yeah, like like if they really want to stay in San Antonio, like that probably would help. Because Austin, yeah, like, I mean, Austin is bearing down their neck, and those fans are terrified in San Antonio that they're going to move to Austin or move out of the state even, but definitely Austin being a, a big threat. So, I think a sneaky, like, we talk about teams that are that are not clearly tanking, but there's going to be some teams that we don't expect that are just going to start losing games, and we're like, wow, thought they were going to try and win. I think Toronto might really bottom out, like, Masai seems like the kind of guy that would try to be all over. Yeah, Toronto's the very Toronto. I didn't even mention this year. I don't. I don't. That's another thing. I have no idea what to make of. There is last division. year. Last year, I, I feel like I remember saying I thought they would be better than they that other people did. I didn't think they'd be that good, <laughs> like a top five team in the East. Like that was surprising. But then, like they got smoked by Philly until Embiid. Oh, I mean, I, I keep saying until Embiid got hurt, but I think technically Embiid played those games when they were. When they they came back and won two games, then he got hurt in the last game when they won. But even that playoff series, I don't know what to make of them. Like they looked so bad in the first three games, and then Philly took their foot off the gas, and they made it a six game series. So that makes you think, well, maybe they are good. Like they almost like I I I I, I see what you're saying because I thought about the same thing you're thinking about. But then in my head, I'm just keep I just keep going back to like, are they too good to even tank? Like, how do you tank with a team that has those guys? Unless you have massive injuries. Oh, this is gonna be this is gonna this year is gonna test it, man. I think we're gonna see teams that I know, but like their starting lineup is Fred, Gary Trent, OG, Scotty Barnes, and Pascal. How do you tank with that team? Yeah, that team is on a bad year. That team wins forty games. That's a bad year. Like I don't know. Like they and have I a, see, kind of. I see that. I see what you're talking about with the avenue to tank per se. But like, I just don't. I don't know. Like that team's too good. They, they should start want to with, tank. They're they're like first two weeks in the le- of the season. They start with Cleveland, and then they got at Brooklyn, at Miami back to back. Yeah, this, this schedule is brutal. Home against Philly back to back, Atlanta, and then you've got you know at San Antonio should be a win, but then you got at Dallas and then Chicago. Chicago back-to-back. home and home. Yeah, you know like if they started like two and eight, like nobody. That would be is shot. a bizarre schedule. I mean, they didn't know Cleveland would be this good. Probably they made it, but. Yeah, how did they come out with this schedule? If I if I if I was a Raptors fan, I'd be like, "What the hell?" Yeah, they got to play two games on the road against Miami to start to you know right out the gate after playing <laughs> Cleveland at home and Brooklyn on the road. Then they go, they, they, then they got Philly. Philly, but they're at home. But it's Philly. It was Philly. <laughs> and then oh boy, we got Trey Young on Halloween. I mean, they started out one and six. Oh, that wouldn't or one and seven. That wouldn't surprise me. Or two. Two and four. Yeah. It's always hard to do this. It's easier to do it in the NFL than NBA. But that is a really bizarrely hard schedule to start a season. Like I don't yeah. I don't know. It, just, it feels like that wasn't But it almost feels like last year with the Knicks when like wasn't the Knicks had like all these or a couple years ago when they had all these road games? Like <laughs> it was like how are they playing twenty road games? That twenty of their first twenty five games were road games. Wasn't it crazy? And I think it was the pandemic. Maybe it was the pandemic year, so that it wasn't that bad. Or I forgot how it worked out. Because I think that was the year they made the playoffs. But it was like this is a really tough schedule. That yeah, that that Toronto schedule is a little weird. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. So I don't know. Maybe. But Lakers might not win a game for like a month too. Oh, Lakers got, got tough schedule too. At Golden State, real quick. Clippers, Portland, yeah, Portland's a game. Denver. Yeah, they got they got to win that one. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because yeah, the first the first Utah. The first obvious W is Utah in November. So yeah, that's that's a that's a month. <laughs> man, I can't wait. I can't wait, man. Like I just feel like, you know, maybe it's just my old age. I'm just I just have no patience for preseason basketball anymore. There's a time where I could have been. The summer league kind of does kind of like the summer league knocks out the preseason a little bit because like if you want to roster rookies, like you feel like the impression. That's almost a better. Yeah, some, that's almost a better started. Yes, yeah, that's almost like a better thing to watch. Yeah, because those guys are being. At this point, I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, and also like these those guys are more featured there. Like you know, they're playing as guys more of their like talent level. Yeah, like it's easier to, to compare it to other guys' performances. In the past. Right, yeah. Like preseason, like it's just everybody's on different playing fields. Some guys are on teams that are worse than others, and and the basketball is just awful. So, so just get me to the regular season. I know some people will hate the regular season. I'm not one of those people. I'll never be one of those people. Like, I don't know. You watch 162 baseball games a year, and yes, they're, I guess they're playing hard, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't have much issue with the NBA regular season. I think they do need to change it because enough fans are pissed off about it. But I'm excited to see good, real basketball being played. Like, I, like that's something that I need in my life, and I'm, it's going to be happening very soon. Wow, this is a super-sized episode of New Generation here at Sports Talk. But you know what? Kendall's not been here for a couple months, so it needed to happen. Kendall, thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Of course, thank you all for checking out. Uh, this episode of Sports Talk, our NBA season preview. Of course, if you enjoy the show, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. You can find plenty of our content there. We'll be posting more content on there as we roll into basketball season, college basketball season around the corner, too. So definitely you'll be seeing more stuff on New Generation Media on that front. Also, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And Facebook New Generation Media. Follow us individually on social media. I'm on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Instagram, Action EJ. Kendall can be found on Twitter, New Gen Ken. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.